Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Tim Kay here, host of the Veterans Project podcast, founder of the Veterans Project and the Caregiver Project as well. I'm here to talk to you about some incredible folks who keep me living in comfort and style while I'm on the road. That's right. Hilton Hotels is a world-renowned, award-winning hotel chain known for their first-class amenities, authentic hospitality, and top-of-the-line commitment to your comfortable stay. The name Hilton has become synonymous with hotel. But did you know about Hilton's commitment to our military and its veterans? Did you? I didn't. To be honest, before this relationship unfolded, I did not know. Through Operation Opportunity, whose motto is, Our Mission is Your Success, Hilton Hotels has been able to hire 30,000 veterans, military spouses, and dependents since 2013 with a commitment to hire 25,000, that's right, 25,000 more by the end of 2025. Wow, wow, wow. What a commitment. To learn more about Hilton's military programs, check out Operation Opportunity at jobs.hilton.com backslash military. Guys, I'll be the first to tell you, staying in the hatchback, uh, sleeping on the road, Scion TC, starving artist that might have looked cool, cramp my style massively. I definitely appreciate having an award-winning breakfast, high-speed internet, and a comfortable bed. It makes my job so much easier with the already stressful work that these projects are. Blessed uh, that I get to do them, but it is hard work. So I'm thankful for Hilton. I appreciate them a lot. Go check out Operation Opportunity, jobs.hilton.com backslash military. Check it out. This next guest is not only a successful designer of an incredibly beautiful line of jewelry called Brass and Unity, but she's also a Canadian Army veteran of Afghanistan. We sat down in downtown San Antonio, Military City, USA, a.k.a. my home, which I'm very proud of, to talk about her work as the visionary of a very successful brand. Her art has been worn by Ellen DeGeneres, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, Kevin Hart, and many, many more. On top of a successful line of designer wearables, her brand is based on the movement, keyword movement. It's much more than just jewelry. It's moving to give back to the veteran and caregiver community while raising awareness about the challenges we face upon reentry into society. And she knows those challenges very well. We discussed everything from her brand to the warrior culture to differences in the Canadian U.S. Armed Forces. We discussed her worst days in combat as well and being a female in a predominantly male environment. And she has a pretty exciting announcement to make, which she made on the podcast. Here she is, without further ado, Kelsey Sharon. The Veterans Project is a comprehensive essay capturing the legacies of our warfighters, caregivers, and civilians who have stepped forward in defense of our patriotic principles in an effort to capture their stories and to never forget the staggering sacrifices of our nation's finest. This is the Veterans Project Podcast, where our legacies are the mission. Here's your host, Tim Kay. Welcome to the Veterans Project podcast. My name is Tim Kay. I almost forgot my name. That would have been really awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Solid start. I know. This has gotten off to a real solid start. (laughs) We're doing it right. We're doing it right. We're doing it right. (laughs) 
Well, we've got a very special guest on here. I say that every time, but I feel like this is actually really special. Oh, give um, it a rest. Yeah. No, 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 no. You're so special. <laughs> That's what my mom tells me. <laughs> it's not a good thing either. <laughs> but we've got Kelsey Sharon down here from um, Canada. Wow. What? what? Why did you come all the way down here? Because you asked me to, and oh, I yeah, was like, I <laughs> of course I'll come down. Why yeah. wouldn't I? Yeah. Well, we appreciate you having you. She's the founder of Brass and Unity, um, which is an incredible jewelry company. You make pieces of art. Thank you. I, and, I like to think that. Yeah, you do. Definitely. And I've, you know, it, it's incredible. You're seeing um, people like Ellen wearing your stuff, Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Yeah, we got a list, man. It's like Kevin Hart. What the? Uh, yeah, that's a weird, that's a, that's another story. But yeah, we've got a long list, my friend. We've got, uh, we got a pretty good uh, amount of people I'm pretty fortunate to have worked with and uh, that have given us really the attention that I think that our, our pieces and um, our veterans deserve. Yeah, that's awesome. So, um, you know, Kelsey, you're obviously a veteran of Afghanistan, and uh, we're so thankful for your service. Because you, you know, one thing that we try to get across to the to the listeners and and to people in this crowd who um, are following is that it's not just us, right? Like, it's you know, not just the Americans. It's the Canadians. It's the British. It's the Australians, and there's a tremendous lineage there uh, in Canada as well. Yeah, there really is. I mean, we we're part of NATO as much mm. as much as people don't realize that, and yeah. it's sad to say that they don't. And I don't know if it's because we just don't publicize it in the similar fashion in what the U.S. does, but we are. We're part of NATO. We've been part of NATO since NATO started. And Canada, you know, we follow we follow in the way that uh, we never want to see anybody suffer. Um, I, and so, same with the U.S., but I mean, we don't, we're not the ones that are generally going to be the first to jump in, but mm -hmm. uh, we'll definitely be there to watch your six for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's well, us. That's awesome. No, we appreciate you guys no for that. We as the Texans were like, when did it start? <laughs> How we're already we there. Yeah, we're already there. My mindset's already there. Boots are already on the ground. Uh, no, sir, nothing is happening. No, boots are on the ground. <laughs> we're there. We're ready. Yeah, exactly. It's we'll perfect. defend that Alamo. <laughs> it's like, guys, it's not the Alamo. <laughs> yeah, sure it is. Sure it is. The second version. Yeah. <laughs> we're always ready. That's um, right. Yeah. No, and, and But that's one thing that I appreciate. I, I think we were talking about it a couple weeks ago. We were talking about how Canadians and Texans were kind of similar in that. We're, yeah. um, we're always polite. I think we will <laughs> you make us angry. If you make us angry, it's going to be always a different reaction. That's yeah. Sure. But you guys then apologize for killing people. And then you, you kill people. And you're like, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> sorry. Say that again. Yeah. Say that again. Sorry. 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 Sorry about exactly. that. Sorry yeah. about that. I think yeah. I did like a mixed Australian that was, accent there. That was, I think you just ran everything besides the United States <laughs> and like Canada, the US and the British. You're just like, let me. I mixed it all together. Let's see what I can make this sound like. <laughs> well, in case you haven't noticed, Kelsey has a very vibrant personality, like her jewelry very vibrant sorry and about that beautiful no yeah <laughs> <laughs> this has already been the most entertaining podcast we've had why not make it entertaining if they're going to listen to us in their, their sweet sweet ears while yes, they drive that's true <laughs> kelsey you know we want to get back to that of course but i want to talk to you a little bit about life uh growing up because yeah, that's an it. important part of what we do and you know in this project is reintegration um is a massive aspect of what we're doing here um you know talking about life after the military but we also love talking about life before and kind of what led you to that choice to join so i'd love to hear it from your perspective yeah absolutely i mean i recently and it's sad to say but i recently just found out that my grandfather was in world war ii but up until that point i really did not think anybody else in my family had served so it was 
uh, from my perspective, I was the only one that had served in my family. And um, so when I joined, I, how do I explain it? I went to college um, right out of high school. And uh, during that time, I I left to go to college in kind of a quick fashion in, in the sense that I didn't really know what I was going for, but I knew I just wanted out of the town that I was living in. And that's a small town feel. You just want to, you know, you right. know, that kind of thing. It's pretty common in America as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're so alike. <laughs> um, you know. I just want to be your friend. I just want to be, I just want to be friends. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I went um, and uh, I'm a big, I've always been a huge, huge, huge history fan. Like um, I love everything Me about as history. Well. Right? There's Can you just, imagine? Oh yeah. my God, not you. <laughs> it, there's something about our past and the, just the beauty of it. And also just the sadness of everything that we've gone through as a society and as a people in the world and I'm always interested in it and so um I go to Remembrance Day which is your Veterans Day right and um because we have those I know I would I was quick to say that but bam because I had to put that on there and somebody was like what's Remembrance Day and I the was exact like same study history you're like read a book <laughs> read a book educate yourself are you even a follower of this project clearly not <laughs> You're just faking it just yeah. to be friends. He's like, hey, Tim, I'm a follower of your project. I just want to be friends with you. No, you're not. You don't know what Remembrance Day is. Goddamn. <laughs> uh. um, so, yeah. No, we, I went um, to Remembrance Day, as I normally do, and uh, I was on the bus back from college, and uh, I met a lady who was had to be late, late 90s, you know, full chest of metals, uh, Air Force, just this really cool, cool, cool lady, and uh, she was telling me a bit about her story. I said, hey, look, like I'd love to know more about what you did, and things like that. And she kind of uh, was like, yeah, no, I'd love to tell you if you have time. So I sat on the bus, missed my, my stops, obviously. And um, well, man, obviously. she was <laughs> she was so interesting. Everything she was saying, I just, I felt like she had her hooks in me. And I don't know what it was, but I mean, she had served in World War II. Uh, she was one of the first female pilots. She was wow. just this really cool, amazing chick. And um, I, I felt this weird connection in sense that I had to do something. And I uh, got off the bus. I went to my professors and I'm like, peace, I'm out. I quit college wow. that day. I found out how the paperwork things I had to do, the process. What year was this? This was 2007. Okay. Um, and I joined, I ended up joining the military that week. Uh, I signed in, swore in, did the whole shebang within about two week time. Like, oh yeah, we'll call you for basic. I got a call like within three weeks. Wow. Um, I started basic training in the beginning of uh, 2008 and uh, did did the whole basic SQDP1. And, and in Canada, we allow women to be on the front lines a little bit different than you. I know you guys now yeah. recently have allowed women to do it if they can follow through and finish the pro- the process. But um, we actually have some guest questions about that. But bam, coming up. Yeah. look at I love it. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, but I, but when we say women on the front lines, we mean artillery, infantry or armored. Right. So we really mean the front lines. Um, right. You're really in it. We're really in it to win it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went and uh, they said, you know, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I want to be infantry because like I fought in Taekwondo my entire life. Like I at that point, I'm ex- I was extremely fit. Like I mm-hmm. knew I could handle that. Right. Um, and I had always competed against men. And I knew that, hey, this will just be a fun, fun thing for me. And the sell the was uh, that they gave me was, um, do you love camping? <laughs> Wait, it gets better. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I love that that's Canada's cell because Americans would be like, do you like to kill people? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's because 
would. That's the best part. <laughs> that would be. Yeah. It would be. So, Especially the Marines. Right? Oh, yeah. oh, the Marines are like, do you love to murder humans? <laughs> You're like, yes, yeah. I do. <laughs> well, then the Marine Corps for you. For you. So, we'll yeah, make no, it legal. Right? We'll make it legal. You don't even have to go to jail for this. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, it was like, you know, do you love camping? And I was like, not really. They're like, well, do you love the outdoors? I was like, you got me. And they're like, well, you know, we look, we, we're a big family in the military and we like to, you know, we like to hang out with our people and we like to have that brother That's in the arms. most Canadian thing I've oh, ever Oh, it heard. hurts so bad when I say it out loud. <laughs> it like hurts my soul because I believed it because I was 18 years old and had no other perspective on the military. Like I said, I did not know I had a grandfather in the military. Super communicative family here, team. Sounds like we it. We are. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, and I was like, they're like, well, you're a little bit small. And I'm like, what, five foot's too tiny for you? I can get shorter. Um, and uh, let me just crouch down real small. How's 4'11"? Can we roll with that? No? And they're like, well, you know, we just think you have the best opportunity if you go with something else. And I was like, well, I'm not going in the Air Force because, well, that's self-explanatory. <laughs> and then also the Navy. And I was like, eh. Shout out to the Air Force. You know what's up? <laughs> hey, you guys. Hey. Hey. You guys. We love you. You saved my butt more than a few times over there. So I'll give you the credit for that. Yes. I just can't deal with the blue. I don't look good in blue. I'm more of a green. I'm more of a green gal. So so then they're like, well, what about artillery? And I was like, cool, let's try that. What's that? And they're like, you know, uh, artillery really just is, uh, you know, big bombs in the ground and uh, shooting over top of people. I was like, cool, I'm into that. Yeah. No idea what that means. Um, so I join, go through all basic training, you know, kick that in the butt. And mm-hmm. uh, I thought I did well. I mean, yeah. I broke broke some records. It's whatever. <laughs> I don't want to brag. I'm man. not going to brag, but my sweet sit up skills. You know, the sweet sit up skills. Guinness Book of World Records. Oh, we're not, we're not, not that cool. Uh, ah, God, that would be that. Now that. Wouldn't that be cool? That's a goal. That would make a book. That's a book. Oh, book. Uh, yeah. Oh, segue. <laughs> but don't you but, have one coming out? Oh, are we Let's stay. No, not yet. Come no. on. You're, see, we'll now do you, you got to keep me I'm on track. I'm bad about that. I'm oh. going to keep you on track, but I'm also going to take you off track. You're bad about that? That we're both. We're hooked. I'm a terrible host. I'm not good at this. You're great at this. You're doing fantastic <laughs> Thank you. at this. You're welcome. Thank you. So far. So you're just reaching for compliments yes. now. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> so, so I joined, man. And I did, uh, you know, I did basic. I did the SQ. I did the DP1. I did the whole artillery training. And in my mind, I was accepting a, a job and a pathway that I knew I wanted to do. I knew that I was passionate about helping and I knew that I could I could do the job. And that was the number one thing was obviously they weren't sure if I was going to be able to do the job being my size and my weight at the time and really just dealing with the male aspect of going into a man's trade, which right. is super sexist. Like, thanks, guys. Way to, way to give me give me the best start you could. We're not sure you can do this. Okay, cool. I'm definitely doing it now. Well, it's better than it would be here, which would be like, you can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. I want to try. Nope, wrong parts. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, uh, it, went, it went all right. Um, I end up having some rough, uh, some rough times on the, I think it was DP1 when we were doing just like... Um, you know, the ruck marches and stuff like that. I end up like taking the skin off both of my bottom of my feet. And mm. They're going to recourse. And then somehow I convinced my COs to let me wear flip flops on the gun line. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I could stick, so I could graduate on time. So I'm, I'm not sure how that works. So polite in Canada. It was, it was amazing. I got to do a full week of marching in the best flip flops wow. in full uniform <laughs> going to the mess hall and just the stairs. Oh, oh. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was great. So we did that. It was fantastic. And, um, yeah, I ended up uh, becoming an artillery gunner, and uh, went, we went from you know the small guns and training over to the uh, M777s with the 155 millimeter howitzer, mm-hmm. and um, 
when on graduation day, they kind of, we had a staff member from Quebec who spoke no English come over to me and go, uh, you, 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 and you, you're all coming with us and we're all deploying in April. <laughs> so oh, wow. get ready to learn French and meet your new unit in a week. I'm That's like, wild. Cool, cool, so, cool. So why so why in particular French? Did everybody in that unit speak French real well? Yes. Was that the first language in that unit? Or so what? Le- let me school you on Canada real yes, quick. Yes, I'm right? going to need to be schooled. Okay, let's do it. You're so, my first Canadian. Oh, God, I feel so special. <laughs> you God, should. It, my mommy was right. <laughs> <laughs> one day you'll be on one the Veterans day, Project I'll and be you'll the be veterans the first project. Canadian. And I'll do it. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> not a compliment, by the way. Not at <laughs> I'm all. not that cool. <laughs> Stop. So, so yeah. Um, so, how Canada works is our second language is French. Mm-hmm. Technically, our first language is English, but I know it, that part. It's just surprising to me that so it's Quebec so predominant. Is, it's extremely predominant because I was posted to Quebec. Mm, okay. So, um, okay. I'm from Ontario, the province beside it, or i.e. the state beside it. Mm. I'm the province beside it, and um, bilingual has always been like in, a, in an elementary school and high school. You learn French you, all the way up, kind of deal. But it's in the sense that you don't learn it because it's more like your grammar. You don't actually learn how to speak it unless you have like a French speaking home. Right. Kind of deal. So I had no idea what I was walking into. I knew like yes, no toaster. And I was like, this is going to be sweet. <laughs> yes, no toaster. <laughs> right. And so they're like, yeah, you're getting posted to Vacetze and um, your unit only speaks French. Uh, there's like one or two that can say like, hi, but mm. you know, that's what you're going to get. Wow. I was like, cool, cool, cool. So uh, they're like, yeah, we'll see you there next week. Get there. Uh, rough. Yeah. It was a rough go, man. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I walked in my unit. Um, literally, even my sergeant did not know how to speak English. So I was like, how am I going to communicate. communicate? Like, are we doing like hand signals? Like, yeah. are we signing? Like, what's going to work here? And now I think about that. I wonder how sign language works in French. It's probably <laughs> perfectly fine. I don't I don't know why that just came to mind. Um, but really, though, I, I had to learn French. It was kind of throw me in the deep. I learned how to swim. And um, it was a quick quick turnaround i was able to speak that's enough not a quick language to learn either uh, no it's interesting i mean if you know spanish you can kind of click into french okay. easily but i didn't i did that in high school as well but not enough right um so i knew some basic words enough to kind of ask for things but then uh the unit i was with the guys were the guys were good i mean at first it was more like a hey there's a small blonde fresh meat kind of deal and mm-hmm. then once you kind of put your foot down then they you know they level themselves out a little bit yeah um and then uh i just i just tried and yeah. i would just look at my sergeant and i would do my best every other word i was like a small toddler learning language again every other word i was like what's this in french what's this in french and he's like oh my god burns <laughs> please stop talking to me <laughs> I'm like i don't know what i'm doing and let me help me um so yeah that was and i got posted there a couple other guys got posted as well there and um i was with uh troop alpha and the uh, 5 ralc regiment out of akete for the artillery troop and that's who i deployed with mm, deployed to afghanistan afghanistan yeah what part stand. kandahar first and then um we went out uh our guns went out to the well we went out to the maywan district because there was a small fob out there called fob ramrod which had the some of the 101st were working out of there. Right. Unfamiliar. Um, yes. And so, as you know, it's a very small fob. And I guess they had an artillery troop out there that was Canadian as well. And um, the Americans didn't have enough guns. So they said, you know, we're going to send another Canadian unit with you. Wow. So the rest We of, didn't have enough guns. I don't that know how that like. even was physically <laughs> possible. How did that happen? You know, you did have a lot of Oakleys. <laughs> unnecessary amount of sunglasses. <laughs> 
like micro We're scratches. Oakley sponsored. Oh, uh, and sponsored by Oakley. <laughs> yeah. I know, really though? That's... This killing machine sponsored That's you by right. Oakley. That's, it's brilliant. It's like you guys got to have the best vision so yeah. you can see exactly the targets you're hitting. <laughs> yep. Or not hitting. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they needed uh, some guns. And so the guns were already out there and they needed a troop. They sent us out. We spent about three days in CAF doing the uh, overview of what was going on in the country and what we were going to be doing, walking into... They give us a fair warning. These guys are from Texas, so their accents are fairly thick. You guys are going to have to attempt to speak oh, English. Yeah. yeah, it was a good time. I am now pumping my fist behind the mic. Are you? I see it. There it is. Yep. I love it. I'm so stoked. Right? So we got there. We rolled in. And uh, right off the bat, it was going to be a push and pull issue because, you know, radio comm checks, you know, just like the tower checks, we were going to have issues because... Most of the guys really did not speak English in the sense that, like, they weren't being ignorant. They were never taught. And, well, some of them just didn't care to learn either. So you, it was one of those things. So, right. um, so we had a corner, a small little corner of uh, the FOB that was ours. And um, that was our deal. We were on, we had two, uh, we had two M777s there. And um, those were the guns that were there before. So, you know, we had to do the whole overview go through, break it down all its small, tiny, tiny BBs and uh, clean it all out, make sure it was good to go, and we were ready to rock. Yeah. How was that? How did you like interacting with the Americans? I See, time? I was good, though, because, because I... Because you understood English so I well. understood English, and also I was accepting of the fact that we were going to be working with, um, you know, another country, like, and, and not speaking for my whole unit, but speaking for some of them. Um, they're not going to appreciate this, but I hate to break it to you. They did not care for the Americans. And in the sense, not they didn't care for the Americans, but they didn't care that they didn't speak their language. And if you speak to any Canadian, as it, as hard as it is to say, Quebec's a different animal. Right. I've kind of heard that. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's not just coming from me. I mean, it it's a different it's a different province. They do schooling differently. They do a lot of things differently. And they didn't particularly appreciate the fact that they had to speak a different language for somebody else it almost sounds a little bit more like paris like where there's that kind of pride there like yeah there's almost super yeah. cockiness to where oh oh yeah you like feel like the you're coming van- into the room it's like you better know our language or i'm like i talk to you oh, kind of thing. Uh, that's exactly what happened to me it was 100 yeah. percent that and i hate to be this, the person to say that and they might not like that but get over it if you yeah. would have you know made the effort then maybe i wouldn't be talking <laughs> to all of your but hey listen there were some that were that were super dope and really great but let's be honest the van Dus are known for the van Dus. <laughs> the french are known like the the yeah. Quebec units are known, and um, in whatever way you know them, but they're known. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it was it was different, but I mean, contracts were great. I just to screw with the Americans, though. I would uh, the first time I went on the OP tower, we had to do four hour shifts because mm-hmm. you know how they had the towers. That, right. Well, they the American you guys had like uh, three towers, and we only had to do one. Um, because we were a smaller unit for sure. And uh, so that was our responsibility. We had two people on at four hour hour, four hour shifts. Mm-hmm. And so the first time I went up just to, just cause I could, I just <laughs> answered it in French. Cause I just wanted the reaction and the comeback was amazing. Uh, you want to preep that out there? Uh, we, uh, we don't speak that language here. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna do that calm check again, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm just like, I just I got an incredible just to see the reaction I got, and uh, that was it was, it was, pretty, it was pretty good. And then I was screwing with them, and I was like, hey, yeah, no, I love your Texan draw. That was oh, pretty was, good. Hey, what can yeah. I say? My daddy's a truck driver. I've been to Texas plenty of times. Okay, okay, so yeah. you've been here, you know it. I know what's up. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what? So what was it like? You know, first being on missions, and you know, being in an all male unit like that. Uh, well, I was. It was weird because the guns were one thing. I mean, we had an officer. Who was a female? She was not on the guns. She was obviously doing comms and things like that, and calling and calling the radio, um, calling the uh, fire missions. Sorry, and uh, she was good. I mean, she was solid. She definitely uh, 
kicked me into gear to make sure that I was equipped to do what I needed to be doing. And it was definitely helpful. She, you know, she was, she was great to work with, but it was, uh, it was, it was, it was, here's the, here's the thing. I don't let anybody push me around. Right. And I'm not going to let anybody talk to me a certain way, uh, Mm -hmm. whether you're superior or not. And I'm not going to let you, you know, give me less opportunity or I'm not going to let you, you know, you know, basically just push me around. It's not going to kick because it's not going to work with me. Right. So um, I put my foot down fairly early on. And uh, due to that, there was a lot of pushback on just um, uh, not being that person in the unit that they would rather. They thought they were, you know, less than because they had a female that was smaller on the guns. And even though I could throw those rounds around, I loaded those M777s, those 100-pound rounds that weighed the exact same as me. I got them on the tray. I pushed them up. I, You know, I do the deal. Yeah. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it wholeheartedly, and I'm going to make sure that I'm I'm not just another body on a gun. I'm going to be that person that you're going to look to in a firefight and know that I've got you. Right. I've got you. So um, that was a bit of a push and pull, though. I won't lie. That was harder than I expected it to be, just especially because the language. They could just talk about you behind your back right to your face, and you're like, cool, man, thanks. <laughs> High five. Like, we're besties. And then he could just be like, no. <laughs> they would have already been talking about you because you're a woman. Oh, and now all day. they're going to be day. talking about you in French behind your back. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. All day long. All day long. It happens down here in San Antonio with Spanish, for I was sure. Just, oh, yeah, you guys I just a... hear gringo, and then I'm like, ah. Oh, man, God, I'm the white guy. This conversation is going downhill fast. <laughs> You're like, and it's over, and that sucks. <laughs> I heard like what I thought were ten cuss words in Spanish. <laughs> you know, like I know three of them, so I'm for sure those were in there. But <laughs> it, it's it's hard because um, as I started to speak the language, I did start to understand when they were saying things that he shouldn't be saying, right. and I would call them out, and that just made it worse. So it was almost better if I just didn't even bother. Yeah, yeah. It is interesting to think about because in a lot of ways, it's like um, that whole, you know, like. I think of Jackie Robinson often when I think about breaking the color barrier in baseball. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And it, he was a very strong personality. And, like, the owner, you know, came to him really quickly. And I can't remember the name. This is, like, sacrilege in America, not remembering the owner of the Dodgers You're during that time. You're just hurting yourself yeah, right I now. I am really hurting oh my myself. Oh, goodness. And I played baseball in college. So this oh, is really embarrassing. wow. Yeah, so <laughs> he, wow. uh, he basically came to, you know, Jackie. And I remember him saying, you know, like, hey, listen – Everything that's powerful about your personality and like everything that works for you, like we love that. We love that part of, you know, of, of who you are and what you do. But you're going to have to calm that down like a ton. And if you try to fight back, you will lose 100%. And that's the hardest part is you're like telling somebody who their personality is. Right. This is what they are. This is who they are. Tone it down. Yeah. That doesn't work. No, it doesn't. It just makes it worse. Yeah, especially in a, in a headstrong, you know, area like that, the military, especially coming into, you know, a military unit and, um, you know, and having guys like that in predominantly male geared positions, and then all of a sudden you're there and it's like, oh, okay, not only is she a female, but she doesn't speak our language well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Great. Yeah, it was, a, it was, yeah. I really did that to myself. I mean, you know, it is an interesting dynamic for me, though, because I did serve in an infantry unit, so I could see where that would complicate uh-huh. things. Well, like you I, can see it, right? Because yeah. right off the bat, you're going to look at the size of me. I'm five foot. Just if anybody's listening, I'm five foot. I'm, I'm already like, saying, you can't do what I do, little girl. <laughs> <laughs> can't do what I can do, little girl. And my podcast is over. <laughs> and that's it. You just got me too so hard. Not yeah. even funny. Uh, but no, really, though. I mean, I, and I can appreciate that. Like, I can understand that, right? Like, you see a five foot, 115 pound blonde coming at you you're not going to be intimidated by me in the slightest you don't know my background though and you don't know what i'm capable of right and and so i it every single time i went into a situation it had turned into a 
prove yourself, prove yourself, prove yourself. Right. And then once I prove myself, it still wasn't good enough. Yeah. So, but which probably continues to drive to make you better, though. It, well, exa- and that's the thing. But that's the one thing I can truly say that, like, my parents did a fantastic job on was – they're the, that whole no quit, that whole like don't let anything hold you back, like that that stereotypical parent. Like I'm not going to sit up here and be like I had bad parents, my life was real hard because it mm, wasn't. No, like my my parents were dope and they pushed me so hard. Are mine, yeah, yeah, and like and that's what creates a certain type of person. And as hard as that is for some people to see, mm-hmm. that's just the way it was. So the second you said, no, I, I don't think you're going to be capable of this. I'm like. <laughs> watch me yeah you're gonna eat your words and i'm gonna make you eat them and i'm gonna make you eat them right in front of my face (laughs) and you're gonna look me right in the eye when i'm lifting that 200 pound guy doing my march with him because i can and i will because i have tree trunks Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i got no shame in these thighs i got no shame in these because these trunks these things kept me moving they got the job done so but i can appreciate that you guys are big you guys aren't exactly like i don't know what you're feeding your people down here what's in your what's in your meat but i'm telling you enchiladas Enchiladas and antibiotics. And steak, yeah. yeah, you guys have got some tall. You got some big dudes, man. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so standing up against that, I can understand. Like, I can appreciate that right. view. So I didn't get offended by it. But at way. the same time, I will say this: the dynamic of that is far less important when you realize uh, what the community's like. Because you know, being amongst the special operations guys, I found to be most of those dudes that could kill me in about five seconds are usually about six inches, six inches shorter than me. And they don't, especially the special operations oh, yeah. side. Like it doesn't work out too well for you if you're tall. Or well, big. no, you don't want to be big. You but you, be you able were to really hide. small, like. But I was like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, uh, not quite. So here, how is it? They said in Canada. I don't know if it's if it's the truth. So don't fact check me on this. But I, I think will it's not. Like I don't fact check foot, anything. So that's four, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> this My podcast is, is going down again. <laughs> oh gosh, I think like four foot six is considered like a, like. A, a smaller person, a small person. I don't know the political correct. Oh, what do you mean, a midget? Uh, oh. 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 No, but I'm from Texas. I'm okay. just say those well, things. Well, you can say those things. You say, I got you. <laughs> I was in an infantry unit. I I feel you. I got yes, you. Yes. So most of the guys listening to this are jarheads all day long. Oh, there are people that are listening that will get offended. But and it's apologies. Listen, yeah. here's the thing. I'm short. I'm not far off your height. I'm barely five foot. Like when you look on my driver's license, it yeah. says four eleven. You're not that short though. Well, you're, yeah. I make up for it in loud and just <laughs> obnoxious hand gestures. It's great. The way you talk, I would think you were 6'5", for sure. Right? Yeah. I know. You wouldn't even know it. See that? But that's it. Yeah. I put up. You put up or you shut it's up. It's about what you can do. It doesn't matter your Exactly. Height. It doesn't matter any exactly. of that. And that's not even for me. Like, even saying somebody was a dwarf or somebody smaller like that, it's not th- – that to me – is that demeaning? Because some of the toughest people that I've ever met are like have, the smallest are people. Like the smallest, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Strong. jinx. Oh, jinx. Oh, we can't talk the rest of the time. <laughs> this is gonna be awkward. This is gonna be a really silent podcast <laughs> yeah. for the next five to ten. Sorry about that, guys. Yeah. Yeah, but no, really, it was. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. but like I said, it, I never took offense to it because I always knew that I could do what I was being asked to do, and so my thought was, I can either sit here and I can argue with them, or I can sit here and I can you know, talk shit and I can, you know, blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, you either put up or you shut up. Right. And I put up and I did it and I I held my own. And I think almost everybody I've ever worked with, including the British, which I worked heavily with the Black Watch, I think you could pick up the phone and call in any one of them and they will tell you the exact same thing. Yeah. So, yeah. That's no. powerful though. That's reputation right there. I try, that's man. That's everything. Yeah. I try. I mean, I want, I wanted to be... I didn't want to be that person. Like, you know, you there's what we call in the military, at least we call them in Canada, we call them 
pumps. You, you know, there's those guys out there, those girls out there. There's those people out there who they're going to get somebody killed. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Got that on the guy side, though, too. Dude, oh, you yeah. got it on the men's side hard. So in basic training, you know, guys, oh. where I was just like, oh, wow, that's going to be a bullet catcher for sure. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> that's what you call them? So we call them bullet catchers. So we yeah. call them pumps. Oh, okay. Pardon the language. My apologies. I know I, I have to correct that. I'm, I'm um, that. <laughs> so sorry. You can edit that. But we, that's what we call them. We yeah. call them pumps. We call them poop pumps. Is that better? Is that more politically correct? It doesn't have that ring to it. It's not about the political correctness. No, that's right. But it's true, though. Like in basic, you have yeah. those guys. And I don't know if you had this, but we had a guy. No names, but we had a guy who was like, I was, we were all chatting at the beginning and he's like, you know, I joined the military cause I'm really good at Halo. Mm-hmm. And I was like, my soul died inside. I'm like, we are what? He's like, I'm like great at video games. And I'm like, cool, 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 cool. Within like two weeks, he VR'd out of that real fast. Right. And also like, like the very fact that you said that to me makes me very scared. Well, I don't want to be beside you. No, you're not, I'm you... definitely not kicking down a door with you behind me. No, and I'm not letting you kick it down either because you're yeah. going to sit there and try for hours. You're talking about a 0.4 second reaction time oh. with a guy like who thinks this is a video game. That's great. I know. And so like, confident. Yeah, right it was super confident. And so mm. I was really I was really pumped when he VR'd out and I was really pumped when uh, when some of the other ones VR'd out as well. Yeah, yeah. Even if I knew they weren't going to be working with me, just the fact that they were wearing the same uniform, got the same sort of respect, just really irked me. Right, I totally get that. Yeah. So back to Afghanistan. Yeah. What What was that like for you? Were, were you Were you scared when you first went over, or were you like, "Man, I'm pumped. I'm ready to do this." So like, this is the, this is what's similar about Canada and the U.S. They, okay. They're training in the sense of we do a lot of the similar training, like the time frames. I mean, like a two week, you know, four, you know, four on four off kind of deal. Um, my, my staff was solid. Yeah. Okay, my sergeant. Sorry, well, I think he's a warrant officer now. As far as I'm being told, he's a warrant officer in Gagetown. So shout out to. Uh, Sergeant LeBlanc, Marc mm. LeBlanc, he's, mm. uh, he, uh, he saved me Such a lot. Such a beautiful of accent. I know, right? I love it, oh, yeah. you want me to speak in French? <laughs> <laughs> uh-uh. Yeah, it'll be dirty She'll French like it. Quebec. It won't be France. So it won't be the pretty <laughs> ah, okay. French. So you, right. you don't want to hear that. Never mind. <laughs> right? I changed my mind immediately. Um, but yeah, Sergeant LeBlanc was uh, solid. He, um, he, had, uh, he knew his stuff and he made sure that when we were... Before we deployed, like he would take us to the range on extra times, you know, level four uh, shooting, like just making sure that we could hear a clear house as well if we needed to, even though we were going to be on the guns. It has to become instinctual. It has to become second nature, muscle mm. memory. And he knew that. And um, Otherwise, you jack it up because you will be fear. You will feel fright. You will. And you don't want to feel that. You right. want to be, you want it to just shut off that light switch to go off and just keep moving. Right. And um, he was really great about that. And I will say, you know, as much as I, you know, really annoyed him and irritated him and uh, got under his his skin when he first met me because I was like, hey, it's Sasha I can't Lava. picture you annoying right? anybody. <laughs> I know. Here's the thing. You either like me or you hate me. And if you hate me, then I'm not your type of person. And I just turn it off now. Yeah. Turn it off now because you're going to just. It's a waste I of like time. it a lot. But Here's, I also could tell like like my I'm personality. I'm either. Yeah. I'm no, a lot. I'm a lot. I am too. But you know what? The people I find who are a lot get shit done. And are we, we a lot of good things. And we don't take no for an answer. No, and that's don't. why we are able to do what we're able to do. Yes. So I think uh, as much as people tell me to tone it down and, you know, there's a time and place for that. I got that a lot in school. There's a time time and place for that, Kelsey. I got that a lot from my parents. Right? Oh. <laughs> just, oh, I hear you. Oh, man. You think you got, I got the principal calling. Kelsey won't shut up in class. Mm-hmm. 
And listen. I was homeschooled, so my dad was my principal. Oh, you poor soul. Yeah. Did you dance with your mom at prom? Yes, I did. Oh. <laughs> did you wait? Did you get her the little the little flowers? Am I getting list? made fun of on my oh, own podcast? Oh, I think it's happening. <laughs> was your dog the doorman? Oh, oh. my gosh. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. It's true. No no offense to all those homeschoolers out there. No, That's a I don't solid think choice. my f- I don't think the followers actually knew that until this moment. So I just admitted this oh, to bam. you. But oh. you admitted that you're Canadian. So. <laughs> <laughs> You can't hold that against me. I can't, help, I can't help where I was born. And I got no shame in being Canadian. You know why? A, because yeah. we have maple syrup. That's true. So suck it. Yeah. Number, and we got really big trees. We got the best trees. Yeah. Our air smells great. Nobody's bombing us. And I really do Ooh. want to go to Vancouver. That's true. They yeah. And you want, yeah, yeah, they're not. Because, like, yeah. we'll, we'll just like give them a handshake and like a bunch of money and be like, live here for free now. <laughs> and I need to clarify something real quick. We're on the Canadian topic. Yes, go We ahead. do not have free health care. Everybody hear that out in podcast land. Mm. We pay monthly for our health care. Mm. Shock and awe. I know yeah. I just crushed everybody's really? soul. Yeah, I know. It's weird, right? Well, in certain provinces. Does it just come out of your paycheck? No, like uh, in, in British Columbia on the West Coast where that, where I live, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you got to pay like a monthly deal, like, okay. just like you would any other bill. But in other provinces, it comes out of like your uh, your annual or whatever. But but you know, so gotcha. I, if somebody uh, tells me one more time we have free health care, I'm gonna boot them because I'm like, <laughs> no, why? Why do yeah. you have this perception of us? I know. Well, your teeth are all great. <laughs> it's like we don't have dental either. <laughs> we pay. The but British yeah. have free health care too. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing with that. <laughs> I'm not going to speak for them. I'm going to leave that one right out because I'm going to get covered phone- so many British guys. I'm definitely done in England. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, like, you're going to get phone calls. You start seeing that, like, dash 0113. Hey, remember how we were, hey, mate, remember how we were sharing your stuff? Now we're not doing it anymore. Yeah, remember how we're helping you out real big? Well, guess yeah. what? No. It's over. Yeah, you're talking about my teeth. Yeah. Like, you know my teeth. You don't know you my don't teeth, You don't know mate. my teeth. You don't know what they've been through. Like, you just have a full, like, in a full identity for their teeth. We're so done. So I love good. how you were their teeth voice, their teeth's voice. That well, was amazing. You got to have a teeth voice. You got to have a voice for everything. And, and here's the other thing: you don't think we don't sell over there? Oh, mm. God damn, I'm gonna get the phone calls. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna get them. And the best part is when they get frustrated, it'll be the Scottish that'll call. Mm-hmm. I don't understand them. And oh, no, no, no. Especially once you start working up uh, like north of Manchester, you're it's done. over. Oh no, I go into the Manchester fire station to cover one of the guys. How'd that work out? Um, well, it, it was great, <laughs> Didn't. For, great for the photos. <laughs> Oh no! Podcast. No, but shout out to my buddy Nathan Ryder, uh, who's out. part of the Scottish. I, I can't even remember the name of the divisions because they're all hard. Yeah, something. Um, I know I don't want to say that because if I'm wrong, they're going to get very offended. Oh, they get so, super upset. So if yeah. it's not the Highlanders, not, sorry. Yeah, about, we're sorry about that. Blame it on me. Yes, I will. Blame it on the Canadians. But no, but going up there, as soon as I walked in the fire station, I was like. Oh, this isn't the same country. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. I was in London before that, and I walked there, uh-huh. and I was like, "Oh, this is not the same." They're raised a whole different way, my friend. Yes, like, totally. Just... And I like had a very hard time like picking up on like certain, and they were the kindest, friendliest. Like that fire station letting me in was huge. Oh, of course um, it is. That's giant. Yeah, for because for them, like that, they you have to go through ten layers of red tape, and they basically xed out all that, and we're just like, "Oh, we'd love to have you here." Like, well, you're you're doing it for the right reasons, man, and right. that's why people are respect receptive to you and you need to know that right? right yeah for sure and i love those guys but i could not understand a lot of it i was like and, and nate was one of the definitely slower like, talkers and better yes, speaking english exactly but the mm-hmm. other some of the others like some of the guys who served in the royal marines that were in the station like i was like ooh, i really cannot understand oh i got somebody for you to interview then yeah great james he'll hit that is he guy. like that no james is english but he okay. his his um you can understand him well. He's been in Canada enough. He met a Canadian in uh, 
married her. Mm, so, okay. uh, yeah, so he's a firefighter too, which is ironic. That's the guy we just did that. Oh, um, awesome. Lovely uh, Point Roberts uh, Fire Department there in Washington. Those those uh, Americans that are actually all Canadian volunteers, which is interesting. Wow. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but, uh, you know. That is interesting. Yeah. Hey, they're great. They're solid dudes. Um, yeah. But yeah, he, uh, yeah, that language barrier, it's weird because they're speaking English. Mm-hmm. But is it? Is it really? But is it? But is it more English than we're speaking? That, yeah. I need you to switch your brain around a little bit here. Yeah. That's, I think maybe they're more English than we are. And then yeah. we're like, hey, you guys aren't speaking it right. And they're like, really? We're the founders no, of No, they're this. like, literally, we should all be talking like them. But yes. it, we just... No, it got way... America. Yeah. <laughs> but then... We transform everything. We're, dot, we're, dot America. Yeah. Texas is times 10 that. Oh, I We're like, oh, oh yeah, know. hey, Americans do this. We're going to do it bigger and better. Did you listen to... Do you watch Jimmy Fallon at all? Yes. Okay, did you watch the one where he came down to Texas recently and was uh, interviewing... Matthew McConaughey Ma- was on it, so yes, of course all I right, did. All and, right, all right, all yeah, right. And Chip and Joanna Gaines were on all it, so right? of course I was watching. Yeah, of course you were. So I was watching yeah. that, and I totally forgot the culture of Texas. Like, it had been a minute. Okay, but he's like times 10 of us, Oh, even, my God. Did you hear like, him talking like, about the yeah. things he was talking about? <laughs> Nobody knows what he was talking about except Matthew McConaughey. The only thing I caught from that was- I want to take you was, to a dream world, and I, I want you to feel the fire. The guys- <laughs> <laughs> Matthew, what does that mean? That is not a Texas thing. That's- that is a Matthew thing. And then people will be like, you guys are so wild, man. And I'm like, no, that's no. Matt. No, that's you don't Matt. understand. That it's is not, not us. us. That's Matt. That's Matt. And yeah. just like, the whole- uh, When he was like- I was sitting there, I was looking at my husband, and when he said this, I was like, did they just let him say that on TV? When he goes, if you're not like us, keep on driving by. I'm like, oh my God. No, it doesn't matter if we're allowed to uh, say that. Yeah. He's going to he's say He's going that. to say But that shocked me. But that was the most me. Texan thing ever. Was that though, right? No, we're all like in our living rooms, and we're like, woohoo, yeah, yeah. You're like, wait, yeah. way to put it out there for us, buddy, way to look after the Texans. Yeah. And then the rest of us are going, oh my God. Texans were literally overturning tables when they heard that. They were so pumped. You guys might have just won the Super Bowl yes. sometime. Like, we like, yes, he really represents us. You guys are like that, I think it's that Allstate commercial, where that's uh you ever seen that one where the Which about one? the discount where they got the guy in the van and the other guy rolls up with like a popped collar and like a green Mustang or something and he just looks at him and he's like, "You want to go, bro? Yeah. You want to go? <laughs> Woo!" Just kidding. That's Matthew McConaughey. That's to Matthew a T. McConaughey. He's a more polite version of that, though. But in like, he's like oh, I want one of his cars, what, what are they? What, whatever he, whatever he's sponsored. He's by. in his car and the Lincoln Navigator. The Lincoln and he Navigator. Goes, the, yeah. I want you. Uh, oh yeah, he just got, like click like, click. Yeah, he's he's like, got like the clicks. I want you. I want you to take the. Uh, the high eye, not the low eye. You're like, what does that mean? What is that? I wish I knew. I don't know what that I'm means. looking in a dictionary right now because yeah, I want to be like no you. There's no low eye and high eye. What does there's it mean? There's no high eye. There's no low eye. Where is it? We need to shoot him a message and be like, listen, Maca- you need to come on and just explain to us half of the language that you speak because what you say sounds like you're on an LSD trip. Oh, yeah. And we need to get him on the podcast because nobody would have any idea what he's talking about. It he- would be the best. He's a lot like, from that standpoint, he's a lot like my good friend. And I'm going to say that first so I don't insult him and he'll kill me. Um, <laughs> right. Good friend. Uh, Rudy Reyes. Okay. Where he'll be talking about things and you're just like, dude, you are on another planet right now. You are now. checked out. Yeah, he's like, you know, every vibration of my muscle is one, is makes me more equidistant to, <gasps> my, to my success. And you're just like, 
All right. I see your body, and I totally get that because it's beautiful, but also you're scaring me <laughs> you're right You're chiseled and terrifying all at the same time. I don't know how to respond to such things. How did we get here? I don't know. We tangented. Sorry yeah, we tangented. It's okay. Let, let's bring yeah. it back. What are we talking Afghanistan. about? Afghanistan. Yeah. Yes. How do we go off that? I don't know, but people will be very entertained. I hope. Well, that's what this is what we're going for, team. Okay. That's so the, that's what that's why the project is so much uh, is so much better because I can just edit it and then put it down. But now no, people no, are going to really, no. no, I think this is actually better. This is better. You want honesty, you want truth, mm-hmm. and you want openness with and people. And Matthew McConaughey, we and want that. We want Matthew, I want Matthew McConaughey's shirt off. <laughs> Uh, uh, husband, Afghanistan. Don't listen to this. <laughs> I know. He, hey, you, when no, you he get married, it. you're not married yet, but no, when no. you get married, you will then sit down and go, Who's your free pass? <laughs> you got to have that conversation. I'll be straight up. His it's is, important to his you. His is no. Rihanna. I'm, mm-hmm. I, well, it's also ScarJo. So, I mean, he's got two, so I'll give him that. I love Rihanna. Oh, doesn't everybody? No. I'm sorry to hear that. When I say that, sometimes guys don't get it, but I it just, I love her voice and I just love her. I just, personality yeah. is a lot, holds a yeah. lot of water, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, she's beautiful, but she oh, she's is. stunning. Yeah. But she, but yeah, I get what you're saying. She's want to sure. be who, she's who I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> you want to be Rihanna. I just want to be Rihanna. I don't I know how did. I'm going to make that happen, but I'm going to work real hard on that. It's <laughs> like, I know what's wrong with my face, but I'm going to take it, I, take it back. I'm going to work on that. I like who you are. Thanks. Kelsey. I'm, I'm all right. Yeah. I think I'm okay. No, sometimes. no, no, no. Yeah. I'd rather have you on the podcast oh oh please give it a rest you're <laughs> now and now everybody knows you're lying and we just don't need to start off on that that would be a weird podcast so Can the you veterans imagine? project presents rihanna. rihanna no that would be a my podcast about to crash because there's so many people tuning into that people are like what is happening right now I know. okay yeah, we're getting off track so afghanistan let's let's bring it yes, back so afghanistan back. the yeah. land of the sand yeah um so yeah afghanistan was uh Here's the thing is I was on the guns from the get, right? So when we got there, we did our we did our, you know, our, our three days, you know, what's going on in the country, like I mentioned, right. that kind of deal. And we go, you know, you guys are going out here. We get out to Maywan, we're on the guns, everything's good, everybody's getting set up, you know, getting comfortable, yeah. you know, moving in. I roll up, I look into the side of our tent, and there's a noose hanging from it. I'm going, is this a sick joke? Yeah. Oh yeah, sure sure was. Oh. I'm like, Wow. Um What was the joke? I- <laughs> Tell me, right? I don't know. You guys are the Yanks. It's not guys- funny when you don't understand the punchline. What I know. was this? I don't know what the joke was, but they thought it was hilarious. Was and I'm this like, like, this is where you would have been if we hadn't come into World War II? I, <laughs> you're right. Like, oh. I, like, and, and you're and, like, we're not British. <laughs> we're like, we're not British, but we also saved you guys so many times. So. You want to get into that pissing match? I'll go real hard on that. Now this podcast is officially over. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, that's 90% of, of my yeah, listener. Yeah. No, exactly. But so, yeah, they. I mean, it was just like a weird... It was just a weird situation, right? And we, so we move into our tents and like our, our troop stays in a tent. We all stay, you know, our gun troop mm-hmm. each has its own tent and whatnot. Officers are in the separate one and, and you know, the. Pretty the similar stuff. to yeah, us. Yeah, similar sort of stuff. So we're, we get on the guns, we do our thing, we get set up. Then we got to play with the Excalibur round. Mm, yeah. What is that? You don't know what the Excalibur no, round is and you're a U.S. Oh my God. I know, yeah. So this beauty shoots up to 40K, mm. GPS guided, like used for VIP targets. It's mm. pinpoint accurate. I was an artillery though. I so, know, but yeah. you should know those because we shoot them over top of you. Okay, all okay. right. You should know what's coming over top I of you. I don't know what went over the top of me. I was just like, okay, kill them. Yeah, yeah. go artillery. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yay! Can right? we go shoot stuff now? Yeah, exactly. So no, yeah, there was pretty cool, you know, we have some cool tricks up our sleeves though too, okay? So don't no, you that's worry awesome. about us. Don't yeah. you worry about us. Yeah. So yeah, we got that. We were playing with that for a little bit and then uh, we just started off on, you know, what we're going to be doing every day and just wait for fire missions and then we uh, we just would pull. 
just fire, 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 fire. And we would shoot for the Marines in the area. We would shoot for any of the special forces in there. We would shoot for anybody that was in within the distance of about 40, 40 up to 45K. Mm. So whatever that is in, in American miles. I don't know. You guys really need to get on the rest of the world with the kilometers and like and the, the driving. Oh my god! Yeah, I don't know. Every time I go down to Washington, I'm like driving. I'm like I'm speeding. Would you switch there? No, well, because I live on the border. I live above Washington. So you switch where? Which side do you drive on? We drive on the normal, like we drive like Americans with little less accidents. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. Yeah, no, in the sense that like our kilometers in our right, we don't yeah, have that on our cars. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. So um, yeah, I don't know why we do that. It, it's the know. most Texan thing ever. Like, it's, we're going to do this. And then people are like, that doesn't make sense. We're literally like, nobody we're doing else it in the just world. to be different. Well, yeah, couldn't be more different. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we uh, we did that. We got set up, kind of rolled into that, got comfortable. And um, it was good. I mean, we got we picked our cots. Everybody picked their cot. Yeah. And we had plywood, plywood walls between everybody, which was kind of nice. Um, you know what's not nice? What? The fact that you can hear everything in there. Mm-hmm. With a bunch of men. Oh, you put two yeah, and two together. And woman. <laughs> you put two and two together, my friend. Yeah, that's got to be interesting. It's a trip. Mm-hmm, you learn I'm real sure. quick to just be like, I don't hear nothing. <laughs> so, uh, where am I? Your beds, right? Yeah. yeah. So we, you know, we. It was good. We got sorted, and then we got to. Uh, I got introduced to what you guys call a chow hall, mm-hmm. which to me sounds like a bunch of puppies going to eat right food. I call it like a mess hall. Mm-hmm. So you know we. Uh, we learned about American cuisine in a different level and what we were going to be eating. Yeah. So that was new to the body. That was a shock to the system for a few days, but yeah. um, figured that out. And then um, and then for me, it was uh, a little bit different than the rest of my unit, to be honest. We got a call. My sergeant got a call and came down from high up that there was going to be an operation taking place that they would need a female on to go with oh, cool. a different country. Um, and to me, that was just like, all right, well... Where do you want me to go? Like, what's up next? And to be frank with you, we hadn't done a whole lot of firing at that point. We were kind of getting bored, twiddling thumbs. They're just waiting for something to happen. And we would shoot a lot of loom, a lot of loom, right. a ton just to light up sky for people to see and whatnot. And so that was all fine. And, you know, we could see, you know, the, you know that that lovely highway that nobody wants to drive on there, that mm-hmm. one that's the, the death highway, basically. And it wasn't far from our fob. So we, we watched things go in and out and we keep an eye on things. And we had uh, Afghan workers come in and were building stuff for us. So, you know, there's a lot of moving parts going. So things were happening, but the guns weren't being fired as much as we were under the impression they were going to need to be. Right. So people were getting a little bit bored. So it kind of we got into routines, workout routines, you know, and each person gets this time and. Because there were so many, so little females on the fob, you know, there was a shower time, you got one hour a day, this was your slot, and you know, that kind of deal. So we, I got the call, and he goes, pulls me off to the side, and you know, in his broken English roundabout way, goes, you know, they, we got people who want you to go with the British right now, and uh, in the next couple of days, and mm. they want to take you and go on an operation, and um you know, I don't really know where you're going right now. As far as I know is I know that you're going to be going. Um, I'm trying to get you off of this. I want you to stay on the guns. I don't think that you need to be going. I think they can take somebody else. Um, but, you know, he can only pull so many strings being the sergeant, not being a, a colonel or, you know, anybody up there. Right. right. So he goes, you know, well, let me look into this some more. We'll see what's happening. So I get a call from we get a call. Um, they're saying, yep, she's definitely going and she's definitely going to be. Um, going with the British. And so the Black Watch um, were the unit that I was going to be serving alongside and the Black Watch are known. Those guys are solid Yeah, I've heard a lot about them. Solid, 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 solid dudes. So I was excited at the prospect. I mean, when I got there, I wasn't scared. Like we were talking about that, like that fear feeling. It wasn't that. I didn't have that. I... 
was just excited. They do a really good job of just telling you, you know, like you're going over to better people's lives. You're going over to help people, you know, the women and children, you know, we're going to go over there and hopefully stop, you know, the rape of women and, you know, get women to vote and have all of those rights, you know, that we have basically westernized a country that doesn't want us there. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. That sounds impossible. Oh, and it is. <laughs> oh. Exactly. Wait, is it? Yes, it yeah, is. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what's terrifying about the whole prospect of going right. over there. That's the biggest fear is that you know on some level these people don't want you there. No, and they don't want to change. In a, in a lot of ways for us and um We can't understand that. Yeah, it it was like our it was like our Vietnam in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um in that you're going to help a people that the majority, you know, and not to say that some Vietnamese do not want to help because they did. But the majority probably doesn't really the just The few want and far between. Well, the right. raised one way. Yeah. And that's the thing. Is and to make a transition in democracy is is a, you know, it's <sighs> hundreds of years process. And that's what, uh, you know, going into Iraq, I mean, look what happened there. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. We, you know, it's. You it's, cannot instill democracy into someone's ideology. And you cannot instill a certain way of religion and life into somebody's that have been going for hundreds. I mean. Thousands. Who's, well, who's ever beat the Afghanis? Who? Yeah. Who? Nobody. Exactly. Alexander turned around. Yeah, because smart. Yeah. Because smart. Like, oh, hey. Well, my men are about to kill me, and those mountains look huge. <laughs> yeah, giant mountains. Not climbing yeah. those. Yeah. But that's it, though. I mean, and and so you go, you you do your thing, and um, yeah. So it came down. Yeah, I'm going, and they said, you know, Chin- um, Chinook's coming to get you tomorrow. Pack your stuff, get ready to roll, and then uh, we'll see you when you get back. And that kind of pissed a lot of people off. Yeah. My guys were not pumped. Really? I got to go play war, and they got to sit on their butt. Yeah. They did not like Because you know that. the Blackwatch are doing work. Oh, Blackwatch doing are doing heavy work. Yeah. work. Right. Yeah. They are like, that song, that work, work, well, that should be written about them, because these guys are <laughs> solid. No, serious. These guys know what's up, man, and they move smooth. Why do you think I went to England to cover some of the, yeah. like, that's important for me, is that narrative, especially in southern Afghanistan, where um, oh, yeah. a lot of that's not talked about. And Helmand That was Province. my first experience with uh, the project, was really, you know, one of my first, before I started this, was I became, uh, you know, good friends with this guy, Jack Myzone. Um, and there was this uh, documentary made called Jack, a soldier story. It was made by Ben Anderson. I'm not sure if you're familiar mm-hmm, with him, mm-hmm. but uh, he followed Jack around and Jack was just a warrior. And I yeah. became good friends with him through that. Uh, I sent him a message on Facebook or whatever, saw a story and asked him a lot of questions. It was before I went to Iraq. So, um, you know, all this, I'm, I'm watching this documentary and I'm like going, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Like they're oh, yeah. going through hell down there. Oh yeah. And, you know, in Helmand and, uh, you know, and there's no really no except special operations there's really no. no american presence there and that that was really why i went to england was to get a sense of that narrative because you knew they were all serving yeah. in that area guy i covered yeah. and mark tony joyce you know did five tours and three were in helmand oh helmand's a rough and early a stronghold yeah man. and he said in his first tour you know this 10 meter contacts in the field oh, where yeah you, know, you can see their eyes yeah like so close it's and yeah. then it turned into IED Alley to where they never saw an enemy and the Taliban completely uh-huh. changing their tactics. Well, that's but, when everything changed. I right. think that's the whole, that's when everything changed for everybody. Things went, went okay, now this is this is next level because yeah. now we're not just fighting a war in a, in the sense of we're shooting people. Well, they know they can't stand and fight against you. It's just oh, not they a- They can't hit a target to save their lives. Yeah, not only that, they don't have the infrastructure for it either. No, you can't stand and fight the American and the British and the Canadian military. Not you with, can't do it. No, and not, not, and not only that, is like they're shooting, they're using weapons from the soviet war for god's sake they're in flip-flops and they're man literally dresses. in man jams and flip-flops yeah. and they run and it, you're just like how are you like when you watch them shoot at you i think the first thing that comes to mind is are you sweeping 
because the AK-47s, <laughs> the way you can't see my hands going, but they just put it over top of a wall and they just sweep left to right and just mm. rah, da, 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 da. they got yeah. no idea. Spray, spray and pray. Spray and pray is exactly yeah. what they do down there. And it's, you can't, the only way that they could even attempt or to even hold an area was to do IEDs. Right. And Absolutely. I mean, I'll give them credit. They are resourceful. Oh, yes. Extremely. They'll take like 30 dead batteries, strap those things together to mm-hmm. just get a small spark just enough to set those things off. Well, that whole infrastructure is brought to you by American <laughs> Education. <laughs> brought we to you go by, to Harvard. <laughs> yeah. Brought to you by YouTube, uh, yeah. Netflix. Yeah. Uh, the guys that we had in our camp, so that were like the heads of Al-Qaeda and stuff, they were almost all like Harvard and Iraq, Cambridge In Iraq educated. or Afghan? Iraq. Oh, yeah. Because the yeah. money. Al-Qaeda. Money, money, yeah. money, baby. They came over here for 10 years, got programmed up. Mm-hmm. Went back with the whole intention of, you know, jihad. They knew exactly what they, they were doing. They knew what they were doing, you and know. Br- Some of them in frats. Brilliant. You know? yeah. Brilliant people. And yep. they could hide it so well. Mm-hmm. And that's what's terrifying is you know that the people you're fighting, they know you inside and out because yeah. they're on Twitter. They're on Facebook. Yeah. They, they have they that capability. They've lived here for 15 years. They've lived in America. They know American values yeah. and they know how far America can go, can go because we... Un- mm, don't say unfortunately, but fortunately, unfortunately, we follow a Geneva Convention. Yeah, yeah. And the enemy does not. And you can't, it's so hard to win a war against a country that doesn't even follow the same set of rules. It's so hard to, it's so hard to win a war when in you've general. got, yeah, in, <laughs> in general, general, but when you have, you know, a lot of times when you have the media writing the rules for you, oh, and, and there's you a lot of that. Oh, yeah. And you lot. mean you do, and you do the wrong thing, you get ratted out by the wrong person and it could have been perfectly legal and perfectly done properly and mm-hmm. follow chain of command, but you get the wrong person that doesn't like you the right way and oh, well, that guy shot a guy when he shouldn't have. Yeah. And now you're getting court-martialed, oh, yeah. your whole life's over. I got, I got some friends who gone to jail. We had it in Canada, man. Mm-hmm. We had it a few, about, oh my gosh, it had been quite a while. I, sorry, I'm spacing on the name guys if you're in canada i'm sorry about that (laughs) but there was yeah we had it we had a guy court martial we had him it was a whole thing and it turned out like something about like private ratted him out he didn't do it in my mind he didn't do anything wrong and i think in most of the soldiers minds that we know he did not do anything wrong it's weird when you go from world war ii to you know shooting guys in the back of the head on your prisoner line yeah that's a different conversation to yeah to now where it's like somebody gave out a wrong order and they're going to prison for 15 years and it's literally as much as a wrong order yeah and and it could be uneducated not knowing any different they go hey i didn't know the situation at the time well you and a criminal process for war. And for war. Oh, yeah. And it's like you're not. <laughs> Where the business is killing and Literally, like defending life. The money that you guys yeah. are making to build our schools are coming from the ammunition that is pumping out of our factories yeah. because of the war that we're involved so in. Wild. It's a backwards mentality, but it regardless, it's a mentality that we've adopted in the Western culture. Yeah. And regardless, we had to go to that war. Yeah. And, and so it was what it was. And it is still what it is over there. But yeah. it... It's a, it's a, you can't win a war that way. No. And I, and I think that the dynamic, I'm, I'm actually glad we're getting into this as a tangent mm-hmm. because it, it's something that we can discuss between countries, you know, and I find it between the British as well, you know, where I talk to them and it's like, you know, most, most every action we take has been criminalized now yep. to a point of where it's like, you are, you would almost rather not shoot and get shot. Oh, all day and long. And like be let out of the country because the other alternative is you are, you know, you, you are, hesitate. Yeah. you hesitate. You get other guys killed. And then the action of you being court-martialed and thrown in prison, the possibilities of that are just wild. And, and to think of that in a context where you are asked and pushed to be barbaric. And vicious. And vicious. Yeah. And because guess what? You know what? One of, and, and here's the thing that people think people really don't get. Killing is the worst thing that you can possibly do. 
It's, they glorify it, that's why. But it's terrible. Oh, it's horrific. But guess what? It's our job. It's what we are hired for. Yeah. So if you try to pretty that up, you can't. You're that's done. the problem. You can't, <laughs> you can't win. You can't pretty up murder. You can't pretty up shooting somebody in the face. You can't pretty up killing for sure. No, no. it's 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 definitely um it's not something that you can, you know, find a way around. Uh, it is what it is and it is as simple as pulling a trigger. Right. And you're yeah. not going to make it pretty. You're not going to make it politically correct and unfortunately mm. the way that the media views it is they have this perception because of things that have come out that should never have come out that we go around just rape, pillage, and and stab yeah. people in the face. Like that's not what we do. That's not at all what we do. That was a killer for us in Vietnam when that was point one percent of what happened, which it did happen. In but Vietnam. it blanketed. But oh, it of blanketed the whole. To say it's it's not to say it doesn't happen. Yeah, right. But a few it happens th- now. A few, of course, it happens now. Yeah. We, you and I both know it happens now. But yeah. to bet, you know, kind of put to us make all that, that the ninety percent or it's whatever not, is crazy it's because not, it's such a minor thing. It's not acceptable and yeah. it shouldn't be the way. But unfortunately, we're we're in a day and age where everything is documented, mm-hmm. photographed, and can be used against you at all times. Yeah, ten years later. Oh, oh, easily. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. That's the, 15, ca- the cancel culture, the things like that, all of that going into that. I mean, if you have war footage, I mean, you have like you, you and I both know, like we have videos mm-hmm. that most people would look at and go, "How are you not going to prison?" It's like, well, no, I did the right steps. I did the right things. Yeah. I, I followed the Geneva Convention and I took orders and I succeeded in my orders yeah the problem is is that the the culture has been censored so much in and of itself and you know in in a lot of ways it's you know it's even worse up north where you're at oh yeah big time there's a lot of censorship going on so the problem is when you try to clean all that up and then you try to live by those guidelines in a warfare context it's impossible well it is impossible you're asking us to do literally an impossible task so why even send us yeah what's the point oh there's no reason exactly yeah and that's the half the battle right yeah that we we fight when we come back is not that we are trying to glorify war with these movies and these things and these you know these videos we have and these photos we put on facebook like this is not a glorification this is hey it's no different than you being on the job at a kmart and taking a picture with a customer (laughs) i'm taking a picture with the enemy yeah but that's my job it's the real it's the reality of the context this is exactly it's context it's context and it's our job my dad i think one of the first things he said to me when i was headed over to iraq was like i need you to know something very important you know uh warfare is a horrible thing Mm -hmm. and what you're about to see what you're about to partake in, it's going to be soul-wrenching. It's going to be crushing. Mm-hmm. It's not going to feel right. It's going to be hard. That's because the hardest men have to do that job. And your job is to do that. And so yeah. you're going to do it to the best of the ability. Don't embarrass your name. Well, exactly. And, and that's like, what it is. That's a little intense. kick to the system, some ACDC playing in the background. That's I'm like, intense, let's do it. Dad. <laughs> Yeah. Can we go now? Yeah, yeah. It's one of those, you know, but it's one of those things where it's like, you know, do, do this is part of the honor. This is where you earn your stripes. Well, you do. This is why people talk about you with lore and they build you up in these uh-huh. history books is because you're committed yourself to one of the hardest actions, probably the hardest action a man or woman can commit to, which is doing their job and killing. And some people will just never understand that. And, you, and those are the people you can't convince. Yeah. And, and that's okay. Yeah. But it's it's about trying. The problem is when that becomes the majority of the culture that's, and then you, that's, you're always fighting that. That's the issue. And, th- and that's where I think we have 
the issues that we have now with us, with us, you know, our soldiers, our vet, everybody. I think that's where we have that. Even with our first responders, right? If there's a shooting, oh, yeah. you, you're going to get it. It's real tough it's, here. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's rough because they want you to come back and tell you how you liberated these people and gave them rights and you were able to do these <laughs> things. And it's like, well, you're lucky if you don't accidentally step on something and die every day, let alone I'm not going to go in there with rainbows and stickers. Yeah, we just talked about this with uh, Nate Boyer on the podcast about like, you know, not it's not to it's not to allow terrible things amongst uh, no, our police officers. We're not we're not, you know, we got to we got to punish those who need to be punished. Absolutely. But at the same time, dude, even some of the best decision makers in the world in the special operations side make bad decisions. Everybody makes a bad decision yeah. and that's just In humanity. the context of killing, guess what? That's amplified times a oh, thousand. Oh my god, that, yeah. you don't get much more amplified. And the thing is is we are human, and yeah. that's what people forget. The people that you're sending over there are kids that went to high school. These yeah. are people who literally walked out of school and were like, I'm going to join the army. And this isn't Superman, ladies and gents. Yeah, we, we are not Superman or Superwoman. We are not Wonder Woman. I wish I looked as good as her and had the height. <laughs> that, But you know what? She was in the uh, IDF. Who yeah, she was. About? She's yes, solid. Yes, yeah, 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 I know. She was. I actually yeah. spoke to somebody who worked with her recently. Mm, that's cool. When she was in. Yeah, yeah, she, Really cool stories, but um, but yeah, yeah I, I digress. But the point is, is we are just normal people, and right. people forget that, and they hold this to a higher standard, and so we should be. But mm-hmm. that being said, mistakes can be made, absolutely, and it happens. Yeah, and we shouldn't be held accountable in the way that it ruins our entire lives when we come back to what is supposed to be our homeland, our safe yeah. space, our comfort, yeah. and being held accountable. To the extent of 15 years in prison, when you sent us to an active war where you know we're shooting people. Yes, absolutely. You knew. Yeah. Come on. You knew. Absolutely. So So back to the Black Watch. Black Watch are dope. Yeah. Those guys are what's up. Talk talk to me about that. This is going to be a four-hour podcast, by the way. What's wrong with that? You tell me. Cut me off when you're ready. Nope. Not going to cut you off. All right. So the Black Watch, they're they're what's up. Seriously, honestly, when I I got a chance to meet with them, so they said, you know, you're going... The first Chinook didn't show up. It had to get called to something else to go uh, help somebody else. Let's leave it like that. And then now uh, they go, you know, we, if it doesn't come tomorrow to get you, you're not going. And I was like, well, now I'm all jazzed to go. I'm all, I went to the range, zeroed in, tacked out, got some cool kit. Sarge, you know, really made me, made me look the part. You know, I, he made me look cool. And I was, I was dope. I was super, I was so excited. Can't to be come. embarrassed by the British. No, no, not at all. I can't, I can't not look show cool. up looking good. I got to look like I know what I'm doing here, team. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, we go, I get there. Um, I end up getting on the Chinook the next day. Uh, left a bunch of uh, guys behind that uh, couldn't have cared less if I left, let's be frank. <laughs> and um, left him a gun short, well, one person short on the guns. So, well, wow. hustle. Get to hustling, team. So what was it like when you got there? Oh, so I landed in CAF, which I didn't expect to be backed into. Um, Did you immediately love, immediately love those guys? Uh, you know the thing. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Shoot, yeah, kind of. I, I love them. They're honestly the I don't know people. why. I just the love accent. them That's the and the stoic thing. They, they're so stoic. And and like making comedy out of the worst things oh, ever. Oh, dude, the. Oh, my mic got blown up right in front of me. And I was like, oh, well, this like, is going to oh, be a bad day. This is going to be a bad day. We're going to move on. I could get Watson on the phone right now. Shout out to Chris Watson over in I think in, I did uh, a little Scotland. Australia, but I that's think, okay. I think we need to work on your Scottish accent. Yes. We'll definitely do, we'll, we'll work over that we'll over dinner. Yeah. And then we'll come back on and we'll let you guys know how this worked out for Tim because uh, <laughs> that was embarrassing. We're doing two podcasts. The, like, yeah, sorry, guys. The Australians are really going to be just hurt. They're going to be listening to this going, oh. Oh, no. That was so bad. But but no, they, um like, honestly, I think it's the stoic. You're right. Like, I, I walked into... um. 
I don't know if anybody's been out there in podcast land has been to CAF, but CAF in Afghanistan is just a giant place where we all go when we all get in. And someone uh, has for sure. Somebody has for sure. So you know what's up. You guys know where the boardwalk's at. You know the sweet Tim Hortons that we have there. And we, you know... Uh, we have our sides. So Canada has the Canada house on one side. Americans got their deal. The Italians and Germans, they're on the other side. They got their own thing going. The British got their own thing going. So we all kind of stick to ourselves. We meet in the middle at the, the boardwalk and then we have tea. So I met, uh, I got <laughs> dropped off. They said, you know, you're going to go over there, walk in, open the gates, see the British flags flying. And um, it was interesting because when I walked in, it was like this, like, are you in the wrong place like are you what are you doing here and so i really had no idea where i was supposed to be going yeah i just walked up to a tent knocked on the side and was like hey i'm here to play let's party (laughs) (laughs) let's party guys the british were totally down for that they were oh yeah they were like all right all right (laughs) all right (laughs) so then we go and uh, we get the briefing and they said you know we're gonna roll out at 100 and uh otherwise you're gonna meet the guys you're gonna be with when you get to the tarmac and um i'm gonna put you into the female tent and you can go crash on a cot (laughs) <laughs> and you know by that point i'm just excited to be doing something and not sitting on the guns just waiting for for things to happen right i want to i want to go play i want to use this training and that's what where it comes back to with that that fear and that innate like i'm not i wasn't afraid and it's not that i'm like oh i'm so tough i wasn't afraid it's like i knew my capabilities i knew what i was going to do and i accepted that and i was okay with that right so when i went i got we got the briefing um they're like have a sleep that didn't happen i was wide awake and um i totally regretted that immediately afterwards when we got going as soon as oh you always do when you don't get the sleep when you don't take the sleep somebody says to take it you take that sleep you take the sleep you take it every second you can yep and so yeah we get there we go uh we roll we get on a bus a school bus by (laughs) the best part this is like an old i don't even know how they got the school bus. i'm wondering if they brought the school bus over to transport troops and because it was (laughs) hilarious to me was this a british school bus no i don't know it was yellow it was i want to say it was like brought over from one of us like it was weird mm. so we hop on the school bus like we're gonna drive you to the lz guys and that like, sounds like the most british thing ever you're like do you have armor on this and they're like, like no no we, we don't need it we don't need it it'll be a bad day it'll be a good day the way it's gonna be a day you're like cool cool, cool. it's almost my die yeah it's almost my die you'll be all right um so we get to the we get to the tarmac and they're kind of going you know like these are the guys you're gonna work with these are who you're gonna talk with and this is how it's gonna be and um the they go, you know, listen, we'll be honest. Before I left, I got a brief overview of the operation we were going on. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I knew where I was going. I knew the areas. And I also knew that it was not a great area to be walking on foot. Um, we were in the, <laughs> we were going to the Pandora district. Is any area a good area? <laughs> the boardwalk? Afghanistan. <laughs> I don't know. Is any area a good uh, area to walk in? To walk in, there are literally uh, anti-tank mines from um, 1835. Yeah, you're. Yeah, I guess I was just trying to be optimistic. Yeah. It's the Canadian to me. So, so yeah, we went and um, they're like, we're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna be straightforward. We don't often use a female searcher. We bring one with us at all times, you know, just in case. But we've been noticing some things change, and since we're going to do this operation, and we kind of know what we're we're getting into. We also know that there might be some hairy situations we might need you in. And I said, okay, cool. Whatever, man. Whatever you need me to do. And they said, so, and that being said, we only have one female surger, which is you. And we got three small troops that are going out. We got Alpha Bravo and Charlie. So we're going to, we're going to shift you around. It's going to be a lot of walking. Hope you're ready. I'm like, let's go. So we get going. They're like, we're going to hop on the Chinook. I want you to stick with the bomb dog at all times. And I was like, I can do that. I mean, 
It's a puppy, so I'm in. Puppy in war. That's puppy awesome. Puppy in war. So it's best auto- things ever. Automatically like mood booster. Yeah. So so yeah, they're like stick with him, Bucky and Benji. Benji is the dog's name. Bucky <laughs> is the soldier's name. Um, and uh, you'll be fine. Just follow his lead, and we'll come get you when we need to. I was like, okay, cool. They're like, you know, shoot at things that move. Otherwise, you know, just don't shoot us in the back, and we'll set. I'm like, cool. Hop on the Chinook. We drive. I like that drive, rule of engagement. Right. Just don't shoot us in the back. Yeah. Um. So we we hop on and we. I somehow got stuck on the floor of the Chinook and they pack those things. So I'm like, Oh yeah, I remember. Oh yeah. So somehow I'm like underneath like way too many people for about 45 solid minutes. And they go, you know, we're going to land. We're expecting some fire. And I'm like, Oh, whatever. So we land. I, and now at this point we're here, get the two minute warning, light flicks on, we're ready to rock. We go, everybody starts piling out and, you know, rounds start popping off. And, uh, I go to stand up and, uh, well, I don't, my legs went numb. Oh yeah. yeah. So, oh, I remember that. Oh yeah. yeah. That first yeah. that first step off outside the wire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Legs went completely. I got no shame in saying that either. Like, and I mean, like numb. Like they buckled. Like I went to stand and they buckled. <laughs> All I felt was some big dude grab my uh, my tack vest from behind, just kick me right in the butt, and go, "Let's go!" And I'm like, "All right, here we go." And the second I step off the Chinook was like when reality punched me square in the face. Yeah. I did not expect that. Mm. That was a different, that was a different feeling. Yeah. What was that like? I was like, oh, okay. I wasn't ready for this. Mm. Was not ready for this. I was not ready for this. Because when you step off of a Chinook and you step onto the real outside the wire unevenness of the ground, you forget that there could be bombs under your feet because I'd been in the fob. Mm-hmm. Those uh, artillery guns don't leave fobs very often. And right. it's very rare. I mean, a barrel on the M777 is like over a million bucks. Like you blow that thing up and you've got more than just your superiors to answer to. You've got the government to answer to now, right? right? And at this time, Harper had just gotten us, it was our prime minister at the time. It's it's our version of a president, just less orange. Okay, yeah. And uh, we... Uh... <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I'm going to be barred from coming yeah. to the States. You got, you got 50% of Texas. What'd you say, woman? <laughs> What'd you say, woman? You talking about my president? You're like, I'm sorry. I still love guns. Leave me alone. So yeah, we our prime minister got us all new kit and stuff. So I was, you know, we didn't want to blow those up right off the bat. So we get there. We're rolling out. And um, we had the special forces ahead of us, you know, kicking in the door, waiting to see you. Because we were there looking for somebody. And Were these British SAS or American? I can't say. Okay, cool. So, um, I, totally yeah, no worries. Um, so, yeah, they were out ahead of us anyway. So, they basically had realized that that person had been gone. Mm-hmm. And somebody had alerted him a few weeks in advance, mm. which gave them plenty of time to prepare themselves for yeah, us. They don't need a lot of time. Oh, yeah. no, they need about a solid day of that to get a good, a good you know, line of IEDs set up mm-hmm. and cameras for them all to watch and, you know, that kind of deal. So, can you get that feeling? Did you ever get that feeling when you're in Iraq, you're always being watched? Yeah. I mean, every day. Right? Yeah. It wasn't like especially a... Especially when mortars would come in. You were mm-hmm. just like, oh, my feelings were right. Well, because mortars are no more than 5K away. No. Because being an artillery gunner, we, yeah. we, we do mortars. And like they and they're inaccurate. They really suck, though. Oh, they're they hurt. so scary. Yeah, because they don't have an accuracy that is... Yeah. That is Funk. Like, there's no control on that when you're getting no. shot at you feel like there's some weird like you know neo thing where you feel like you have some control over the bullets slight even though slight yeah. you know but yeah. it's a lot more control than an artillery round coming in where you're like oh this could obliterate oh me. yeah and you won't you won't feel it yeah it, you'll you'll hear the what, what I, well, they used to give us a nickname um something in america it's, it's like they call us like the hand of god mm. reach out and touch yeah, you yeah. Mm-hmm. we'll reach out and touch you without you even knowing it oh yeah I know you'll that. hear that thunder and lightning bang and then we'll just <laughs> we'll wipe you right off the face mm-hmm. of the earth yeah 
I was very proud of that. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> That's one thing I you can look say. Very proud well, of that. I'm very proud of that. <laughs> She's smiling. I'm very smiling proud. excessively. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we waited, and then they're like, you know, we're gonna wait till morning prayer, and then we're gonna start knocking on doors. Mm-hmm. And by knocking on doors, I mean we're gonna start booting doors in and taking people out. <laughs> I'm like, cool, I'm into it. Let's do it. So I got to know some of the guys while we were just hanging out in the uh, fields, and. Um, then I hear a call over the radio and uh, we go and they kick the first door open right after first prayer. And, and I don't know if, it, like I said, I, I try to reiterate this so people can really get the view of it. They announce the morning prayer five times a day over loudspeakers across the entire country. Uh, yeah, You can hear that prayer everywhere you go. It's Oof. also like, I totally understand respecting a country um, and their ideologies, but also it's like, just what you said a minute ago, like, Oh, we're gonna wait for the morning prayer, then we're gonna go kick them down. It's like, okay, but why? But like, why? I think <laughs> but it was. Why do we? Need I think to it wait? was like uh, we, it was the very beginning of the operation when nobody was pissed off yet. Mm. I think, I honestly think that once so they, we're gonna be nice. At first. We're gonna be nice. We're gonna play nice. We're gonna do our best. We're gonna try really hard to respect the culture, the culture, and understand that you know they didn't ask for this. These aren't the people that you know blew up towers. These aren't the people that came in and started bombing our countries. These are people that just had to be collateral damage. Right. And so we try to respect that to the most, you know, the best ability we can until he pisses off too much. Right. And that being said, so we we go. I get a call. They're like, all the women or kids are here. Bring up the female searcher. We actually need her. I'm like, oh, God. Of course they do. On the, on the <laughs> one time they bring me, the one time I'm going, and they need me. So I get up and they go, you know, go do your thing. And I'm like, oh, okay, wait, wait. What's my thing? <laughs> they're like, did they not tell you what you're supposed to do? I was like, well, the, this is the briefing I got. You're going to take the women and children to separate rooms and you're going to be the one who searches them. You find anything sketchy, chuck it out the room, but you're going in by yourself. Right. I'm like, well, how many women and kids? Like, however many are there. I'm like, cool. So we're like looking over 10 people at a time. Like, yep. Most of them are high as well. So, because we're in a real rural area, they chew on what are they? What is that stuff they it's chew? A, it's like a cut almost, like where they uh, uh-huh. put it between their lip, too. Uh huh. Um, yeah, they you know use what I'm it in Somalia. About. Yeah, it's, yes, it's in Somalia, like it they do. It gears you up to like fight. They're hyper, you're, like, man. Almost out of your mind. Yeah, they're out of their mind. They're hyper. They're bouncing off the walls. And that's it's a an lot. opiate for sure. Oh, though. it definitely yeah. is an opiate. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it was a derivative of like the poppy plant or how, where they Probably got it. Probably is. Yeah, yeah, I'm not 100%. So I'm sorry if I miss. Uh, <laughs> miscommunicate that but yeah they and so you know we we're seeing a lot of that and so the first time i went in my very sur- first situation um kicked the door open in and uh right off the bat we're having issues because now we're finding things we shouldn't be finding we're finding mad bags of drugs we're finding a bunch of weapons tons of cash why do you have this where'd you get this mm-hmm. you know that kind of conversation and here's the kicker when i'm in full kit i just look like a very short dude mm-hmm. like i have a long blonde braid that's tucked in because i don't need to be targeted any more than i already was right and so i don't look like a female and so to the father of the family of the door we just kicked in when they see me start grabbing up women by the arms and kids and babies (laughs) and shoving them in a room and locking the door behind me it looks like i'm about to go "Mm -hmm." yeah they're not happy they're not happy so they start putting hands on me uh-huh. grabbing me trying to pull me away from this and then so one of the interpreter the terp comes over and he's like trying to explain to them and the terp they don't they're no different okay those terps over there they don't respect women any different than the afghan normal guys that no work no with us, not right? at all so yeah they, they weren't into that so i go and i do my first search and my first search yields way too much cash way <laughs> too much jewelry way too many sharp objects and a mother who is just 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 losing her absolute mind and i can appreciate it i mean i'm a mother now 
You right. kick my door open, you go to go near my son, and you're going to see You're it. in trouble. You're yeah. seeing Mama Bear come out. I'm going to rip your face off. Uh-huh. And so I can appreciate that. Don't get me wrong. But that being said, I'm there to do a job. You want to keep screwing with me? I'm going to beg and tag you. I'm going to sit you on the floor, and I don't care. Right. And that's when I really started to notice like the hardening in me change, like that, that mentality of- It's good, though. It has to. It has to, but you don't know it until you're in it. And the thing is, is being an artillery gunner, I didn't ever think I would actually have to experience- I didn't think I was going to experience that um, to that level. I didn't know I was capable of that sort of, not even hatred, but that sort of intensity towards another person. Right. And that just no give a SHIT factor when it came to like, this is my life and I want, I'm going to live. I'm going to live and I'm going to go home to my family and I don't care what you're going to do about it. I'm going to make sure I go home. Yeah, I mean, it becomes then that choice of, um, you know, and you were mentally making that choice of, you know, yeah. you or me. And guess what? I'm going I'm, home I'm every time. I don't every care. Time. I'll put a bullet in that head quick. Oh. I just have to do it. Uh-huh. Because, exactly. And yeah, I don't want to have to. But you made but that I, option for yeah, you. Yeah, sorry. And yeah, exactly. So that's the mentality. Say, sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> and so that was the mentality that I came into out of that first, you know, situation. And and searching, you know, I went from, I'll be honest, I went from searching like babies. Mm-hmm. You know, t- trying to tickle them and just make it a game and look less horrific than I looked, um, to not giving. Yeah, not caring at all, and that that's that was scary for me. Right, losing the sensitivity, losing that empathy for another human being. Mm-hmm. That just checked out, man. It checked yeah. out in a way that I didn't know it was possible. There's a weird um, edge there, right? Yeah, and, a, and it is very tricky. You're always teetering on that on that too far point. You know that edge of like where yeah. you you can really check out. I call it the line between killer and murderer, and it's ah, I think it's like that's a good um, one. Yeah, like to me, you know, especially, you know, being a Christian, like I believe in a very big difference between killing and murdering and that killing is a defensive action and like you have to do it as a part of war and murder being an intentional action where you're, you know, premeditated, premeditated. Yeah, not even premeditated, but just doing it on innocence, killing innocence. Yeah, for no reason other than pleasure for yourself. Right. yeah. Yeah. In that sense, it's murder. But like you teeter on that line between those two, I think, because you're you're very, you know, mentally you're having to become hard to become a warrior. Yes. But at the same time, you definitely do not want to lose that empathy. Because and that's, that's a, a dangerous scary, place. It's a dangerous because place. Because that's a place between you and how you are and a sociopath. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you don't you don't you don't notice it happening while it's happening. And that's and that's the scary factor is there's no there's no like oh, awareness to that at that time because you're so focused on just living and making sure you don't step on an ID, making yeah. sure you do the right things. Oh, absolutely. And it's yeah. that tunnel vision, that type of focus. And so that's what it was. And that op was dangerous. That was the deadly op. We lost a lot of people. Yeah. We lost a lot of people. What's, you know, what's that like? Um, what, you know, you're, you're working with a different, obviously a different nation. You don't know these guys too well. I started to get, time, I, but you, you started to get pretty close. You get close. tight real quick. And what's that like when you're losing guys? You know, what's that, what's that feeling? Well, we had our first loss on the second day. Um, so the first, the first day was just firefights mm-hmm. all day in between, you know, kicking between kicking doors on the roofs, firefights, firefights, taking stuff out. And I learned really quickly, like I said, at that point that it, it didn't matter to me what I need to do to get my job done. I was getting done. So at this point now I'm tie strapping people down. I'm, you know, I'm zip tying people. I'm holding them down while I search individual kids and this, because like now I'm in a room, 15, 12 to 15 people. They could take me out. Right. You know, you think yeah. about that, right? Like, I got a, I got a, you know. A, Doesn't matter how strong you are. I got like a C7, so you're like M16, long barrel. Like, you know, it's yeah. not, it's not going to end well for anybody at that point. So I, the day we lost uh, Rob, 
Rob McLaren was the day that changed me that 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 did me in that did me in so day number two right mm-hmm. off the bat did me in hard and I mean like was the start of a rough time for me and um it was early in the morning it was like right around 11 we were clearing houses we had a wide open clearing and um suffice it to say without giving too much detail I don't want to shock and awe anybody here but we uh ID went off he went up ahead to clear Mark was at the door and like I said I got pretty close with all of these guys really quick and mm-hmm. i mean quick because the, i was a new person to them so they wanted to get to know me they and here's the difference between the black watch and, and my unit that i started with okay is they didn't question my abilities mm-hmm. they knew i was there to do a job i i was not i didn't have a boss i was there to do what i was told to do and just follow along with right. them right so they weren't there to tell me what to do there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that though. it was a yeah. lot and stuff i don't know that i was particularly ready for but something i was willing to take on right and i think that's why i was excited to go anyway so we you know the loss of uh, rob was uh really rough we um that was my first taste of uh dirty 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 warfare yeah dirty wars and what those ieds can really do to a person and um after that that was uh I think it was my first death, my first time collecting body pieces, my first mm. time running through. Fu- so you, you encountered know. that very close. Oh, we had close combat hard. We, yeah. we, when they took us out there, you know, when you get that, like I said, that I meant up that earlier, that sense of being watched. Mm-hmm. That was it. You know, you felt it. And at the time when we were, we were waiting, we were waiting for Rob and Mark to go up and clear the road. And this, and this, it was a gray putt. So what if anybody doesn't know what a grape hut is, it's essentially a mud and stick walls, uh, four walls, and they have like s- really small rectangular holes. It's like a human cheese grater, in my opinion. And um, inside of it, they place an IED under a mound of sticks. Mm. So he went over. He knows better. You don't kick things on the ground. Rob had just got there. Mm. Rob had been there for maybe a month, I think, yeah. if I'm not wrong. And correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Shoot me a message. But I want to say it was a short amount of time. Yeah. And, um, that, you know, with, within that, you know, you learn things the longer you're there, right? You walk around a piece of stick, you walk around a piece of garbage, you don't step on top of those things. And, um, unfortunately he was, he had the metal detector and he knocked it the way he shouldn't have. And, uh, and then that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Pink dust. Wow. And then Mark was at the door and Mark took the brunt of the blast because it was inside and all of the force of it came out the door where he was, uh, providing cover. And at that point, it was like they were, while I was sitting watching all this happen, The one of the Terps was beside me and they had the ICOM radio running. And all you hear is the, like, you know, mm-hmm. they so they're watching. They know they got one of us. They got us. Yeah. And right from that, that moment there on, we're getting mortared. We're mm. getting, yeah, we're getting, we're taking heavy fire. And um, without even thinking twice, I get up and I run to Mark with my buddy Craig. Um He's a medic. He's solid, solid medic. He's did a, did a few tours in Iraq, if I'm not mistaken. And mm-hmm. a lot of these guys that were with, man, they had already done multiple tours in Iraq and Afghan. These guys are hard and they know what's up. They know how to move. Right. And so I go with him and I just like, you know, click right in with these guys. They didn't question anything. Mm. And um, so we helped Mark. Mark, the only thing he could ask was, where is McLaren? Where's McLaren? Where's McLaren? And at that point, you know, you have to do nothing but lie yeah, because right. he'll go into shock. He's yeah. bleeding out. He's got issues. We got to get him out of here. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just say, yeah, I know he's good. He's good. He's with us. We got him. Don't worry about it, buddy. And then I feel a tap on the shoulder and it's Watson on me saying, I got it. Go. So I run up and I go in. Um, we run alongside a couple of buddies of I and we run into the great putt. We're one of the first ones into there. Hmm. And um, it was a recovery mission at that point for whatever we could get yeah. of him. And um, 
we were getting tight. We we're taking heavy, heavy fire. And then next, you know, like we got to move. We got to get out of here quick. Blackhawks are coming in. We got the angel flight coming. We got to move. So we just start piling whatever we can, start grabbing things off the walls, putting them in pockets, like, you know, just dirty, yeah, dirty stuff. You don't want to leave anything behind, right? Right. And um, we start running and just whizzing and popping. And I'm thinking to myself, how is this not taking one of us? Out? How is somebody not getting clipped right now? Yeah. How are one of us not getting taken out? Mm-hmm. And um, I hear that sweet sound of those, you know, that black hawk coming over the edge of those trees and just letting loose that mm-hmm. beautiful door gunner noise of just like, oh, mm-hmm. that is what you call relief, my friend. Yeah. And um, yeah, so that was the first, that was the first, my first real loss. Mm. in front of my eyes and my first reel you know in it yeah in the shit as they say mm-hmm. and um yeah that was the first time and then for the rest of the week we had uh we we're in firefights and ids and we had a couple terps go we had a few other people pass and then uh, you know the week later we had a few more so the black watch took a heavy all summer the black watch took a lot of loss yeah it was just 2009 was a rough summer fighting yeah. season was yeah. rough yeah so yeah, it was uh, something I wasn't expecting because uh, I didn't have anything to judge it against. Yeah. You know? You don't. I, There's you, no way you can. They tell you, like, this is what you're going into, but then you don't get it until you see it. No. You know, when you watch somebody's body there's no, up in there's, the air. There's nothing as shocking no. as that. And so, like, you can talk about that all day long, but the actual the actual action of it, the actual processing of that is something completely different. And when it happens, your brain views it. Like, I remember. I, well, I re- imagine, like, not seeing that for your whole life and then all of a sudden seeing that. Well, and yeah. That's what it is. And how old were you in your Iraq? I was a team leader at 21. I was 21 years old. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was 19. 19, yeah. So, you know, like just turned 19 kind yeah. of deal, right? You know, fresh. You joined in 07? 07, so I was okay. 18. I just turned 18. Wow. I, I joined I, in 05. Okay, yeah. So I graduated high school in 07, um, September, and went. Yeah, I graduated September 05. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. of course you did. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So, yeah, I turned, and I turned, uh, I turned 18 in September, and then I joined. So you turned 18 in basic? Uh, just just before, just bright before. Yeah, I was seventeen, right there. Yeah, I was the youngest guy in my whole company. Because you, you did your parents sign the waiver? Yeah, but I signed on. I went to basic the year before I graduated high school. How did you? It's called a split option program. Oh, so you go to basic training and then you go to AIT after your senior year. Okay, so for a whole year you're non-deployable. Oh, that's okay. So that yeah, they have to like until you're like legally right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got you, got you. And then you're oh, that's actually kind of interesting because Mm -hmm. because at that point if you don't like it. You no, know, you're, you're still not, not getting out. Well, <laughs> well you're because this is America. We don't let <laughs> this people is America. Out. <laughs> we never let you out. We don't care what you do or who you do it to. You're not getting out. Wait, I, all of a sudden my senior year came and all of a sudden I decided this isn't for me. Oh, cool. You're still going. <laughs> really? Wow. See us. Yeah, I mean, no, we have. Split, so it's a split option program. You're still on the contract. You're non-deployable. You're so getting paid, six, though, which is yeah. nice. I was in for six years. Okay. So you're on that contract. You're through, you know, going through your senior year. And then how long is your first contract that you signed? Six years. You signed like right out of the get. Right Every, out of the everybody gate. It's signed called the six, six by eight. So six by eight, two years on IRR, which is since you're yep. still deployable during those two years when you're not. Okay. And so the first, but six years you are serving. 
Oh, wow. So six years I signed right off the gate. But wow. I was in the Texas National Guard, which oh, okay. is different. That's a bit so different. I was going to college yeah, uh, okay. while so I you, was in. You did, okay, so I got deployed in the middle of my college career. Oh, so that's like the smart thing to do. Because mm-hmm. now they're like, hey, let's send him to college. He'll be a good officer and a smart guy. And went, never mind. Never mind. He's failing <laughs> out. Let's just deploy this guy. It's smart until you get deployed. And then oh, you go, oh, wait. <laughs> I actually like, have to do something. Oh, this is like real life? Damn. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I, we, I, I'm pretty sure if I'm not not mistaken there is a similar program where you can still be in like grade 12 and instead of taking like a spare or something you can join but it's like reserves they make you join reserves first Mm -hmm. before you make that commitment because we try to be accepting (laughs) that people might not all like the career that they're joining (laughs) right out of high school i love the way you said that well i mean come on (laughs) six years how old are you to make that decision 17 yeah to make a life decision like that yeah okay so think about that like put that into perspective that's a hard choice. That's a difficult choice. The not way even that just a I, hard choice. That's an you're not old enough to the, make that choice. The way that I looked at it at six at seventeen years old though was thinking about guys like um Jack, um and I can't remember his last name for the life of me, but served at Iwo Jima and he was there at fifteen years old and received the Congressional Medal of Honor for That's his a actions. different ball game. You can't compare the wars. No, you can't. His was way worse. I know. But that's I'm like, what I mean. It's way worse. So me, so but I'm thinking like mine's not nearly as bad. Like it, it like yeah, yeah, Iraq and Afghanistan could get bad, but most of it Iraq was a policing is... action. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, okay, okay. like that's you know, that's like different. like I think most of Iraq and Afghanistan is that. Like it is. It's, it, it's there, there was all out war for sure but most yeah. of it was a policing action that was dangerous at times for yeah sure. because you're edgy because here's the thing that people that i don't think fully know and fully understand that we when we go over there we don't just go and just shoot up the place and be like hey peace we go and we no, train no. the militaries we train the right. police forces and we train them so that when we leave they can hopefully have a successful transition yeah that's obviously never been <laughs> And what it's very happens? different. No, and it's very different than those wars earlier because it's for me, so it's a different. lot like NASCAR, right? Uh, okay. It's ninety five percent. Of course, you use a NASCAR reference in Texas. I don't even like NASCAR, but I'm giving this reference. Ninety five percent boredom and five percent pure terror. Oh, of course it is. Yeah, that's all. But it that's is. not World War Two. No, it my was God, like ninety five percent pure terror. Yeah, you're you're looking at like mustard oh, gas okay, I'm gonna and die. like yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> die at any moment, almost every moment. Yes. <laughs> the chances of you making it through World War Two. You better buy a lottery ticket yeah. because damn. Yes, yes. Oh. Yeah. My next guy going up on the podcast uh, for this next week for Thanksgiving, the day before, um, is uh, Don Graves, and he was Eddie Wajima, and he's the one wow. of t- he's one of two remaining flamethrowers living. And him and intense. Woody Williams are the only two. So Don, yes, three hundred thirty-five guys in his battalion. What is like one or two out of that? He's the only one left. That's insane. But at the talk time, about that survivor guilt, right? Yeah. <laughs> So in the day he's saying, like when we walked off the beach, there were only there were only ten of us that walked off on our own power. Oh yeah, like under your own uh, fruition no. there, because you everybody was everybody like, was wounded off. or dead. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's and that's it though, and that's where I feel like. So that's what I'm leading back to though. <laughs> yeah. With when I joined, was like, dude, if they could do that, then well, exactly. Like- you can. You're 17. You know, you got. We've got better tools. We've yes. got better education. You would think that we would come out of this with like a lot better perspective. I could get killed, but chances, the chances are, I won't are, be. it's a yeah. lot less. Like, and over there, I mean, 
well, it's conscription for first off. Let's, let's hit that off the bat. Yeah. They didn't have an option. No, no. For a lot of them, right? No. So th- that's talk- what people don't know about World War II, too, is like the there terror. was a draft as There's well. There's a draft. I mean, guys were now the reason that we don't know a lot about that is because uh, because like m- guys were killing themselves if they couldn't go. Well, yeah. There was that national pride. That national pride. And then the men that stayed home, it was this like, why aren't you all fighting oh, yeah. war? And it's yeah. like, and you know what? I'll be honest. Like um, the, the gentleman that I, Papa, who I named my son after, <laughs> he's my husband's, um, he's my husband's grandfather oh, and he, cool. he's still living. He's, wow. he's 96. Guys, guys, tank. Yeah. He didn't deploy. Mm. He was needed otherwhere. And he goes, you know, I always, I, I ask him about that. Like, how do you feel about that? And he goes, you know, I always, because he came over and he goes, mm. I always, I always wondered about that. Like, but I needed to be other places. Yeah. And, and, and it's about, it's not about, it's not about feeling bad about doing that. It's you about, shouldn't. no, you shouldn't because it, that's the thing. People were used in the positions that they were needed. You and if that still was be a person, patriot at home. Exactly. And so that's the difference, right? That that That's an awesome, uh, that's an awesome attitude he has, but most of those guys did not have no, that attitude. No, they did not. No. I covered uh, Paul Merriman, who was another Iwo Jima guy and started to be getting off on this tangent. No, go but this for is it. War, you this know? is it. We're this talking is about war. It. Uh, you know, Paul was talking about being on a train and uh, he grew up in Pennsylvania. He was on a train and he was 17 at the time and it was just like when he could have volunteered to join, right? Okay. And he ended up fighting at Iwo Jima. But <sighs> he's 17. <sighs> yeah. It gives me goosebumps, man. That gives me the goosebumps. Heavy, yeah. yeah, it is heavy. But he's 17 years old and he's on the, and he's in a train and uh, this lady keeps staring at him. He's like, I don't know why she's staring at me. This is 1945, like just before he joined. Wow. And this lady keeps staring at him and it's like what the heck why is she like why are you looking at me but he feels like a lot of people are looking at him this lady walks up to him and she goes what are you doing he's like what do you mean i'm uh going to work she's like but you're not going to real work (gasps) oh that's dirty and (sighs) she she said you know where my son is she's like in italy oh she's and she smacks him across (gasps) because that's when you could get away with that yeah she says how Dare you be a fighting agent? Be here. Oh man, that's that's. Do you know how hard that would be to swallow? Like I and, and, literal yeah. goosebumps, man. Four months later, he's on Iwo Jima. Yeah, so it's like, hey, lady, okay, come back. So I smacked you up. No. <laughs> My turn. I'm not. No, advocating we're not advocating violence, for violence towards women, towards women. No, or any violence not. at no. all. No, no. But that being said, <laughs> that would be the context where you would like to do that. That's the context and in you which you could have gotten, could, away, with it back gotten then. away with it back then. That's right. That's right. But that's it, though. I mean, the, the, mm. that's what people don't understand is there was a draft. Yes, and yes, there was. That draft was for some people. They are not cut out. Like you said, you meet them in basic. These Some people are not cut out to go do this. Yes. And they're just a body count at that point. Yeah. And I can appreciate how, you know, people are jumping off like top shelves, breaking each other's legs so they didn't have to go. Now that, to me, mm-hmm. that's a different conversation. Yes, definitely. That's a different conversation. Yeah. But hey, I'm talking about Vietnam there for uh-huh. a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're talking about yeah, you're talking about Vietnam. But here's the, here's talking about that heavy, heavy. Oh, heavy, heavy. But here here's the thing: those wars, World War II. Like, I mean, I wouldn't be here yeah. if uh, Hungary wasn't liberated. I'm Hungarian. Mm. I, like, I my my grandfather comes from Hungary. He came over yeah. right after the Partially war. Partially to me. Yeah, Pol- Polish and Hungarian. Really? Yeah. Whereabouts in Hungary? 
I don't remember, but all, most of my family uh, from Poland is from Warsaw. Okay, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And there was definitely a lot of the family over there during World War II. Oh, yeah, a lot, everybody comes over from so that. Like, I, but I don't know. Like, a lot really? of them, some of them probably did not survive. Oh, no doubt they didn't. Yeah. I can tell you that right off the bat. And, mm-hmm. and so my grandfather, he, you know, he made it through the war, fortunately. And I don't know how, because he was just a SHIT head. He was just a teenager, you know, yeah. going through that. And... um he left when the Soviets came in because the Soviets, the, that power vacuum, right? That after the war, there was nobody there to go into all these countries. And right. so the Soviets came in and just started taking over. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did. And he escaped and um, he had to hide. He did something pretty shady. He should probably shouldn't have done. <laughs> no, no lies. That's not on his own fruition. He like, listen, listen. Listen, we're past the age. We're past the We're not judging him now. No, we're not judging. He's he's yeah. past. But listen, he <laughs> would have judged him back then. He would have judged him back but then. But not now. He hit, let's, let's be honest. He hid out in his mom's basement for a few weeks while the... <laughs> While the police looked for him, and he made it See, to Canada. See, we're not judging. I'm laughing. And I'm no a, I was an infantry company. There's I'm laughing. There's no judgment yeah. here. And he made it over with a bunch of his buddies to Canada, and he settled in Trenton, Ontario. Oh, and wow. uh, okay, that's so. You wow. know, I'm I'm from an immigrant family. I get it. Mm-hmm. I get what it means to come over from a war and not, you know, and understand what that is. And on the other side of that, I've covered I've I've covered a French Foreign Legion. Really? Yes. See, in I've never Florida. spoke. He lives in in uh, Florida, Florida, and he picked Florida, Santa Rosa Beach. Yeah. Some from France, he picked. Florida. He loves Santa Rosa Beach. Is Florida America at all? <laughs> it's a very strange state. It's it's different. It's uh, but Santa Rosa Beach is beautiful. See, I've, I've okay. So Florida, I went once in the transport with my dad, mm-hmm. but I don't. No, to give you a track on Santa Rosa Beach, it's basically like the Caribbean attached ooh, to a state. Ooh, it's beautiful. Clear now, waters, now beautiful. Clear water, very rich Florida. community. Clear water. Clear waters on the side of Tampa. <gasps> That's where all the Scientologists are at. <laughs> That's why I know Clearwater. He's not from Clearwater though. He's from Santa Rosa Beach. But when you say Clearwater, yes. I know Clearwater yes. because I. Under- it's on the inside of Tampa. It's okay. I got it's you. Beautiful. See, see, when you tell me places yeah. in the states, I'm. Just just going, uh-huh. <laughs> but I do, I know. Santa Rosa Beach uh-huh. is beautiful. It's okay. this area called 30A and that okay. whole highway. I've covered a couple guys off that highway, but he was one of the guys I covered and he moved there, but he was French Foreign Legion, still spoke perfect French. Yeah. And, um, you know, 16 years old, jump wow. off, jumped off a Nazi transport and got machine what? gun fire thrown at him. And on made all sides it. And, and made, made it. it some and then joined way. the Legion at 16 years old and under, and, and going on the underground, you know, slitting Nazi yeah, officers' yeah, yeah. throats, you know, doing his oh, job. Oh, he was, mm-hmm. he was Valkyrie. Curing that stuff. He had to. That's, that was part of the job. I'm sorry, but that right there, now that person is somebody I want to Blown meet. Blown up tanks behind the scenes. Oh my God, yeah. I want to meet this guy. And then in the battle of uh, one of the, and then in one of the bigger allied American battles was attached to a ranger unit. What as a French Foreign Legion guy, 17 years old, had no experience with the Rangers, was forced through a Ranger course with the Americans, goes out the other wow. side, and then gets involved in a in one of our, and I cannot remember the name, Metger or Metzger, something, one of the bigger uh-huh. battles towards the end of the war where a lot of GIs were killed. Oh, yeah. But he lived through that. That's and, insane. And he literally, I, you know, literally talking to him and asking him, like, how did you survive that? And he goes, says to me, like, I don't know. Uh, there I was felt something bullets going past you. my head, past my yeah. face. I don't know how I lived. But I made it through all that time in the Legion, so I thought, oh, I got a pretty good chance. <laughs> Might as well keep going. <laughs> yeah. But, the, you know, a Frenchman that was very, and you know, and I Because he said didn't have him, to do that. He could have just left and went and settled and had his family. Because all the French forces gave up, and he said, you know, we were embarrassed for our French forces. Everybody was. And, and they, yeah. Have you been, to, you've been to France recently? Mm, no. Well, I was just there. I've never been. Oh, my gosh, man. I was just there for the D-Day, mm. 75th anniversary of D-Day I had some challenge coins sent to me by people who went. Oh, Jelly Clarkson on that. Yeah. I want a challenge coin like from over there. like five of them, the what? 75th anniversary coins. No way. Yeah. 
Oh, I might have to steal one from you. <laughs> I'm handing out one of those. Anybody out there in the podcast land, I don't have one. I was there. I was on the beaches of Juneau. Did you? Yeah, oh. well, because we, um, I went because well, the Canadian presence was so big with that. Um, uh, you think? Yeah, first. We came in to help you guys get your SHIT together. That patch. Listen. Was awesome. That's what's the up. The Green Berets, when they talk about that one, that's uh-huh. their favorite. Yeah. Juno Beach is no joke. Mm-hmm. We lost. Well, speaking of, so we went over, um, fortunately, I was. I do a lot of road biking. I'm a big road biker. Um, I've seen that. Uh, yeah, I try. It keeps my head clear, man. And um, <laughs> I don't even want to say that my husband finally allowed it. But he uh, did not want me on the road. He was like, listen, you ride moto and I know what you're like on a dirt bike. And like my husband's professional supercross racer, right? So oh, he's wow. like, yeah, yeah. He's. I want to meet this guy. Uh, he's dope. He, well, he, he flew back home today. Look after him, little man. Yeah. Why didn't he? Ca- oh, yeah. Okay. He, we got a human. We got a kid. I, I got a tiny human that needs oh, looking yeah. after. And uh, so anyway, he, he knows what I'm like on a bike and he knows. I was like, hey, I don't want you to die. So like maybe not on a road bike ever. And then I finally was like, listen, after we had Jack, this 42 pounds I've gained, <laughs> this sweet baby weight, I want a road bike. So I got on a road bike and now I'm like addicted. It's like crack, man. I just all I want to do all the yeah. time. And so we got to go over with Wounded Warriors Canada. Um, we got to go over and uh, we did a 600 kilometer. So you know, 500 mile road bike ride. That's a lot. Yeah. Over a, I think it was like six day span where we rode from like Normandy to Juneau. Wow. And we were riding like four or five hours a day and we raised $750,000. How come you didn't take me? You can come on this one. Okay. I'm doing another one in June. I'm going over to Holland for the 75th lip. Dude, you need to you need to come. So when we were there, we were really lucky. I need to come and I need to cover a veteran on that trip. Oh, gee. Who could you cover? Mm. I don't know. I'm sure somebody. I'm sure we'll be all right with that. <laughs> I think I can hook you up. You have I feel a piece like, of jewelry you can give them? I feel like... Can we make this part of the book? Yeah. Oh, well, you're just <laughs> we're dropping ideas. No, we're not going to talk about... No, 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 no. We're not talking about that, but... But... But book. But book. But book, 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 book. But yeah, no, seriously, we went over it. It was, it was so dope because we got to go with... And I clicked with this guy. His name's Russell K. Okay, he's... He is 95 years old. This guy's smart as a whip. He's really tall. I think you saw saw that photo of him, right? Yeah, I did. I pay attention. Guy is on it, though, man. Sharp, sharp. And he was one of the first to land on Juno. Wow. Okay. He was an artillery gunner. So him and I were, we we had a small special thing. He came out on, he came on a bike. You ever hear about those people that came out on bikes? No. They rolled off the, off the boats on bikes. I know. No, seriously. Really? Yeah. Did not hear about. Yeah, this. it's crazy. Anyway, he I made heard it about paragliders, but I never oh heard yeah, about yeah, yeah. No, he made it. He made it up the beach. Wow, liberated Canada House, and uh, we got to take him this year. And it was the first time he'd been back in seventy-five years. Imagine the guys patrolling into that and being like, "Wait, Man. they get bikes? Who gets bikes? I want a bike. I want to step on a mine. No, you get a bike, sir. You're on a bike, sir. <laughs> you get a bike. You get like hundred pounds on your back. You're like, I can't balance. I'm going down." <laughs> You're like, just suck it up. <laughs> suck it up. Suck it up. That's right. So yeah, no, he made it and he lived and I asked him and I just looked at him and I, you saw that photo. I was bawling my eyes out yeah. and that, I was, man, I was emotional because you can feel them. I love that though. You feel the people there, man. You feel it and you feel it so heavy. I tell people all the time at this work is I've met a ton of celebrities. I've gotten to meet a ton of pro athletes doing this and, you know, There's nothing like meeting those so guys. So cool. It's fun. It's cool. 16 yeah. year old me geeks out a little. Yeah. Well, of course you got to have a fangirl in you a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. But um, I never, I never feel blown away. I just feel like this is a person that I need to talk to the project about, and I really want to explain the mission. Yeah. 
I don't feel chills. I'm just like, oh, you know, I had an instance where yeah, you've been good at a sport. You know, you're paid a lot of money for it. Or yeah, hey, well, you got a good break at a movie. Yeah, like- for sure. And like, and and listen, I was a huge sports fan as a kid. So it's like a couple of uh, years ago, me and Nate were hanging out at the Super Bowl, and we were hanging out with the old, you know, steel curtain. You just know, we had- name dropping sorry, over here. Sorry. Damn. <laughs> I wish I could be as cool as you one day. No, no, you're plenty cool. Oh, give it a rest. Uh, you got a book. Um, Stop. <laughs> we'll talk about that later so we've got you know we got like mean joe green and heinz ward and you know some of these other like you know well-known pittsburgh steelers at the table but like 16 year old me would have freaked out but inside i'm just thinking like oh this is cool but like how cool opportunity like it's a cool opportunity but when an iwa jima marine walks in the room oh when a i did a project on baton death march veteran that's that's intense when i walk into that room I don't know what to say. Well, because how? What do you say? What do you say? What do you say? There's what? no way you can honor those men. You enough. can't thank them. You can't. You, there's not a single thing you can do in your lifetime that no. will show the appreciation you have for that. Isn't type of that human the being. most beautiful thing that can happen to an individual, though? Oh, Recognize right. that you can't live up to that. You can't. There's no. <laughs> there's no. That's way. how beautiful that sacrifice is. No, it is, and people don't get that. And yeah. I and I hope that they get that eventually, because if they could only understand what some of these people have done, like just the cool. Oh man, who Rogan had the, uh, not to bring him up, but he's so cool. <laughs> So cool, but no. But listen, seriously, Rogan. Not had to a, bring up the most popular podcast in the world, but we're well. Bring no, it up. I'm bringing him up because no, the reason I bring him up is Rogan all the time. I've I've become so educated from that man. He's had probably about three of the veterans I've covered on yeah. on his podcast. He's, he's yeah. a, and then the reason I I, pre- I appreciate him is because him and I have similar like similar, him and I both did Taekwondo. Like we're both. We we both. He's like, actually my brother. <laughs> he, he's, he's secretly my brother. Did you not know that? <laughs> Joe, he's if you're listening, Canada. I forgot to tell you, you're also my biological brother. We look nothing alike, not even remotely close. But we now did give a lot me of some things. money. No, I don't want your money, bro. I don't need your money. Yeah. I got you. I'm yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. No, but so I, my husband and I, honestly, this is like our nightly routine. No joke. Like we're super routine. You know, military. Even when you get out, mm-hmm. you just have like yeah. a routine you follow, and you just—it's just comforting, it's right? It right, mm-hmm. and even with my three-year-old, he knows like. 7.45 will hit that clock and he'll just start marching upstairs because he knows I'm going to bed after the tub. This right. is the way life is for us. So we listen. We go out in the garage and we um, indulge on some things and we uh, we listen to Rogan. And I found yeah. that, you know, since then, man, I the way that this podcast community has honored these people and given them a voice, like the way that you, the way that you have the project that you're doing, the way that you're giving a voice to veterans and the way that you're giving a voice to veterans who aren't just our generation. Okay. And that's the important part. These are people who have fought in wars that were never acknowledged the way that they should be. They were beaten down by the government because they were called baby killers and and rapists and things like that. These people, like you hear, like he had this, this uh, writer on Amy, Amy Johnson. I'll I'll find out her name. Mm -hmm. But anyway, she, she's covered a couple people. She's done some books on the CIA and things like that. Right. And I listened to her audio book recently and, um, wow yeah she interviewed she interviewed a guy it's in a it's in her book she interviewed a guy though that was like called like the quiet assassin wow and like she went to his house like when he's much older and there was like a knife sitting in a frame <laughs> and it said to the quiet assassin wow and i'm just like wow i just want to be your friend i want to know <laughs> i want to know all the things you know yeah tell me everything right yeah. i know how far are we over 
No, we're good. We're good? No, I'm just checking our battery, making sure that it's good. We're good. All no, right. We're okay, not going cool. over. Well, no, cool. I don't care. Listen, yeah, I mean, I I, you came I got a lot to talk about. Yeah, and you came. Listen, here's the thing is let's let's put it where it is, right? You came in from L.A., but you technically came in from Canada. So for all I care, this will be three hours, and people just have to live with it. And if we have to split the episodes, we split the episodes. It's all good. I, I very early on established this format in that I knew that I don't care how long these go. If the people want to talk for four hours, four hours yeah. that whole thing of like long form is gone is a complete myth it and is gone it goes back to way. what you were talking about joe yeah. rogan he's given he dispelled that he's given such a platform to people and like here's the thing that i found because I, we listen to him like almost every day i have learned more about literally everything in the world and educated myself more on things than i have learned in school how disgusting is that? Because it's broken down in such a format that you can sit there and understand and just ask questions while you're, you know, it gives talking points. It gives you, it gives you a time to just sit down and actually allow your brain to wonder. Do you know what I mean? But you know why that is, is because he himself doesn't know a lot of it. So he's curious. He's curious. And he's learning. Yeah, exactly. And he, we're learning along with him. Exactly. So not only is, an, he's, is he an entertainer, but oh, he yeah. also wants to be educated. And therefore, his curiosity implores us it makes to it, become more curious. And, but the way that he does it. But that's a part. It's that's hilarious. A, and it's a powerful way to educate. Well, and that's School it. School doesn't have to be boring. No, it doesn't. But in the way that he does it, it makes you want to listen more because you're like, oh my God, I learned so much. Like I have so much random information I actually understand. And we yeah. actually saw him when he came to Abbotsford and uh, his opening called it uh, Abbotsville. And it, the whole audience was like, Oh, but, no, you lost us. Oh, you lost us. You know, he's funny We're dude. Lost. But But yeah, anyway, so what I'm getting at is like, the plat, the you know, the the podcast platform really gives people a, the fact that you guys are honoring those and speaking to them that aren't just like you know the the glorified you know nowadays the soldiers we have right. nowadays with all these movies coming up now we've got people who really just have been overlooked, yeah, and their stories are forgotten and they should never be forgotten. No. You know, I feel like this the mission of this is much more than. Um, you know, getting the exciting stories out there. That's part of it, right? Because you have to have the business concerns of social media and propping mm-hmm. what you do up so mm-hmm. that more people see it. That's right. Um, that's part of that is covering the Tim Kennedys and guys like that. Have you, you know, done it with Tim? Is, yeah. Oh, yeah. He did a project with Tim probably three years ago. He was one of the fr- – he was the first, like, celebrity we covered. Is this like, when he was – is this when he – I got to say <laughs> – of- <laughs> Is this when he was doing History Channel and he did the dickhead surface swim? Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't remember. Okay, okay, so he did. Okay, it so, been. okay so it was a little bit after Hitler. Hunting Hunt, Hitler. Yeah, Hunting Hitler. Okay, started. okay, so during, yeah. oh, during, so I love like anything history, right? So the History Channel. It was just when he was like just gotten out of the UFC and was kind of like oh, in that period. Oh, okay, okay. Unsure. So he did this one episode, right? And my husband and I were watching it, and uh, we were relaxed, and we're watching it, right? And he goes, uh, he goes, hey, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go uh, jump, I'm gonna get out of this boat, and I'm gonna go over to this land piece, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna surface swim my way. I started. <laughs> <laughs> I started dying. It's just the way surface swim. I'm like, bro, just swim. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I can't hold. I don't hold a candle to that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But damn, mm-hmm. like the surface swim thing for me was just like I, I got me. And, and ever since then, it's been like a running joke between my husband and I. Like when we go to the pool with our son, he's like, "You're gonna surface swim." Yeah. I just thought it was great. That's hilarious. It was. It was good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just did a podcast with him uh, a few weeks ago. 
Okay. And he showed, and I showed up, and I'm like, I have to follow Tim Kennedy. He's awesome. Oh. Well, and I said, I said, when uh, I said, dude, I said, well, so uh, how are we going over and getting over to the range? And he's like, well, the oh, you at, went to the range with him. We're at his house. We did everything, so we're at the house. I hate you a little bit right now. <laughs> I hate you I a little Tim. bit. I mean, we've got the same initials, same birthday. We're pretty much the I'm same person. So- <laughs> We're nothing like except I don't know. our initials. I, I, was just, I was just gonna say, but that guy September first. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you, you guys are Virgos. Yes. We're Welcome both. to my world. Oh, that's <laughs> why we all get along. Yes. We're all Virgos up He's in here. He's very outgoing. Uh, so I'm. I so we're on. We go out to his backyard, and I'm like Tim. I'm like. How, so so we're going to the. We were going to um, work out first at Roca. How um, was that? That was cool. Yeah, I got a lot of photographs of that. It was wait, did you work out with him? No, I photographed the whole thing. No. Oh, okay. I was, no, I was because say, how was that? Working out with him is a whole different experience. That's a like, different animal. You don't yes, even want to touch that no. ball game. Yeah, it's like very rough. And so <laughs> I've I photographed it two times now, like two different experiences, three years apart, and it's the same thing. Yeah. And so we're at Roca, you know, and for those not familiar with Roca, that's where Michael Phelps, you know, first trained when he like got his mm-hmm, body suit mm-hmm. and all that. Uh, shout out to those guys. They were tremendous. Tremendous. Um, but Tim, uh, so we're in the backyard. I'm like, hey, so, all right, let's, let's go out to the front. And he's like, no, we're, 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 we're going to ride over there. And I said, okay, cool. And his friend um, Tommy pulls up in a helicopter in his Is backyard. Is that the guy I'm, th- that's the guy I'm thinking of? The Tommy heli- Steiner, yeah, yeah, probably. That's who I'm thinking yeah, of. Yeah, that's his friend. Um, and so we so we take the helicopter over, and then we take the helicopter to go get barbecue, and which Just is the most to go get barbecue. thing ever. Salt Lake, yeah. And then, so we land next to Salt Lake, and I've never experienced it like that. The barbecue was 10 times better because we landed in a helicopter. And then we go over uh, to the range. Anyways, through all that experience in covering Tim... Um, it, it's it's one of those things where I'm not trying to cover that individual. It's just one of the guys who I can use to help prop up the community and showing someone exactly. who's very successful. It's about and that it's helps. about that. It's about that. Yeah. It's about it's about finding the ways. It, and, and here's the thing: our community is large. It looks very larger, large, yeah. Yeah. but it's actually very small. Really, really, really small, and it's very tight knit. And if you are doing things for the right reasons. Those people will give you the time. Absolutely, and that's and that's half of it. And and here's the thing: they know they know the value that they bring, and if they can help another veteran in any way, they will. And so that's great. That I'm I'm super happy to hear that you got to do that a few times with him. I'm super jelly, Clarkson. That you got to go to the range with him. Like you don't even know. <laughs> I haven't been shooting in so long. Yeah. Oh, well, so you know, it's convenient too because he lives like backyard. an hour and a half away from me. So it's, of course he does. <laughs> Because why wouldn't he? Because who else do you have in your back pocket that you're like, I'm besties with like everybody? It's, it's Are you friends of- with the guy who killed Osama too? Should we talk about that? <laughs> Jesus. Rob O'Neill. Now. Oh my God. Give it a rest already. I don't know him, but I've heard, I know who he is. Yes. Uh huh. Um, yeah, but those those experiences are certainly thrilling. But for me, like I said, why I've wanted to you know start having civilians on the podcast too is there's so many people who have done so much for our community. Yeah. And listen, the the civilian community is ninety eight percent of us. If we don't get their help, then we got nothing. Well, no, that's it. And it's back. about we have to find ways to. Uh, and that's and that's the thing with my company, right? And that's like not to bring it up, but like that's no, exactly yeah, what we do, right? Like so we we talk about 
helping our veteran community but the way to do that is not to stay within our community mm-hmm. it's to reach out to the general public and melt and help them to understand exactly what we're going through in ways that they I can see help. that a lot with your brand yeah well you have to you have to honestly if you want to get the dollars to the people that need it the most you need to target the largest community and for me that's the fashion industry mm-hmm. and that's what we do with our jewelry and so that's why we're able to donate the money that we donate you know participate in the functions we do and, and things like that <laughs> is because you have to you have to target a larger community. You, you have just to. have to yeah. if you want to be successful with Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, like I said, it's it's about you have to be in the mass public, really, if you want to get the dollars and the funds to the people that need it the most. And unfortunately, that that can be a really dirty thing. But if you do it the proper way, it's not as bad. So like for us, it was about um, recycling the old casings, really. It's about recycling the old casings, turning them into something that is actually fashionable that can be then targeted and sold in like a Nordstrom and things like that. And then along that, with those products, you tell the story about your work is beautiful. Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. And it's about like telling the story of the to the veteran about the veteran community to the public. So then hopefully that can bridge that gap. And that's my hope with it. And so like you said, it our community is large, but it's actually quite small. And we have to use what we have to do that to get the money into those hands of those people. We do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so going back to your military career, Mm -hmm. because we somehow keep circling back, right? Um, what, you know, what in that time do you feel like was your most valuable experience with Blackwatch guys? Honestly, I, that whole week was intense. I did one op with them and as small as it sounded like, oh, it's only one op, but like honest to God, the one op with them was, um was more than I ever could have asked for. I learned more about myself there and what I was able to do than I've ever learned before. The Blackwatch have a funny way of letting you... What's the word I'm looking for? They have a funny way of letting you learn the hard way, <laughs> the hard way but also in a way that is um, healthy and interesting. And they were really beneficial to work with because I just really learned a lot about myself. And I also learned that I don't have to prove myself to anybody anymore. And because I know what I'm capable of. And that was a big turning point in my military career for me was knowing that I can stop trying to constantly prove that I'm this, you know, person that can carry the weight or do the job or be that person to somebody. It was about just accepting me and as a strong soldier that I was. And I didn't I just didn't have to prove myself to anybody anymore. What's that like when you reach that point? It's intense because you realize that like I'm somebody not to be effed with. And it felt good. I felt strong. And I felt like, I got this. This Nothing can be thrown (laughs) at me that I'm not going to be able to handle until the McLaren op. Mm. And that's when things went sideways for me. Really sideways. What was the mental effect of that? I was actually discharged from the military. It was considered an injury. And I was sent home from Afghanistan to the hospital. Mm. It was so bad. Um, Yeah, it was... (sighs) that I felt the light switch in my brain go off. I felt that empathy and that um, I just, it was gone. It was gone. I had nothing. I had nothing there. I was numb. I was dead inside. I was, I couldn't grasp what was going on with me. All I could do was my job. And when they said I was not well enough to do my job anymore and that I was going to be taken away from my only thing, the only thing that I've ever known and the only thing I ever wanted to do, it was 
heartbreaking, but not in the sense that you would think. I was so numb inside that I couldn't comprehend what was really truly happening because they also had me so drugged on pharmaceutical medication that I could barely walk. I wasn't sleeping at night. I wasn't eating. I was telling sergeants off. Mm -hmm. I was telling colonels where to put it. Like it was like getting to be a point where things were becoming a chargeable offense because I was so ill. But there's such a massive psychological effect with with medication like that. Oh, and, and on top of, I had such severe post-traumatic stress disorder that I couldn't be in a normal setting. Mm. In the sense that, like, I couldn't be left alone or should never have been left alone. Mm. Um, and, yeah, those drugs, when then you compile that and you just compress that onto a person, and especially when you give them a drug that is not for their injury because they don't really know how to treat their injury, but it's also not for their weight. Mm. It's a de- <laughs> In a 200-pound man, it's not ideal. Yeah. It's not ideal. No. You, there's no... I don't rem- I have lost so much memory because of the drugs that I was put on. Wow. So much memory. I've had so much damage because of it. I, Yeah. It was intense. So the after effects of that were what? The The problem was is they had me on those drugs for basically... Uh, I was medically released at a 3B med release in 2011. And I was on those drugs for probably another couple of years after that still. So wow. it was memory loss. Um I, I couldn't go out in public. I I attacked an Afghan family in a Walmart, told them I'd kill their whole family because they were looking at me the wrong way. Like it was uh, it was bad. Mm. I was not well. Yeah. And I and now I understand, you know, it's been 10 years since my injury and I, I got out in 2011, so it's been a little bit. But now I can understand why I was taken out of the military and I can understand why I wasn't able to be retrained. Do you know what I mean? Like I can I can see it in hindsight, but when I was in that, I was a 19-year-old kid who had no idea what was going on with my brain. Right. And I didn't know up from down. And all I knew is that they just took a bunch of my friends in front of my face and they weren't going to let me go back outside the wire to enact revenge, essentially. Mm. And they pulled me away from my unit without say. And now I was put on a plane by myself and they're telling me your career's over. <laughs> it was a whirlwind. I'm like... I. I'm still wearing the bloody clothes that I was wearing when I was collecting McLaren's legs. Like, how can you tell me my career's over? Mm -hmm. This is my life. These are my people. This is my support system. And then I came back to my unit onto the guns after that op and um, was not welcomed. It was, uh, we don't believe anything that you're saying. Nothing that you're saying is true. You're lying. There's no way you could have done that. There's no way you could have successfully made it through that. Um, And then I started seeing things that weren't there. (sighs) bad it was so what bad. is it about that though why do you think that that happened was the, it a it, jealousy oh thing? i honestly think they just were jealous i got to go do cool sh- straight up i know that sounds like ridiculous to say and it's not like a me too like yeah. i like honestly i'm not that person if somebody did something or said something to me i would put them in their place so it was never about that for me i think it honestly oh, yeah. truly was was i can tell that about you that i could sure. do i got to go do cool things yeah. They didn't like that. They were bored. They're sitting on the guns and they wanted something to do. Right. And I got picked. Mm. So I was the special one in their eyes. <laughs> I'm special in everybody's eyes. <laughs> but truly though, right? Yeah. Like you you know what that's like. Yeah. You know, when you lose somebody, you watch somebody in front of you, the the last thing you want to do is be sidelined. Yeah. Tell me I can't go and do my job now. I mean, you're gonna you're you're gonna bring out the side of me you're not gonna wanna see. But right. I don't get that option. I don't make that call. Mm-hmm. So it was it was hard. It was really rough. I I don't really remember much after. Um, I was so drugged out. But I do what I what I do remember clearly was 
when I came back to CAF, after they sent me, so what they did is they, after the operation, I went to CAF, went to the hospital, did my clearance with all of the British MPs, because once somebody dies, you need to, you guys got to go through like a, you know, the process of like what happened on the op, who did this, who shot who, to make sure it wasn't a friendly fire, or like a, you know, that whole thing. Um, but the British really don't like computers, so they had to handwrite that statement, which took four days, which was just awesome. <laughs> Um, so retelling that story. It's like mix mix uh, political correctness with old oh school technology is the worst. It was so <laughs> bad. At least we have computers in America. Right. America. <laughs> they speed that political correctness up. Well, they're just so terrified like of losing like, you know, they didn't want it to be um, hacked or anything happened. Right, and I data. can appreciate that. Data, data issues. Well, they were having that, right? So, um, so they sent me back to Catherine. They're like, hey, you're going back to the guns. So they sent me back to the guns. When I got back to the guns, I wasn't the same person that left. So I went from being this person, like this, and now I'm even still a lot calmer than I was. But wow, uh, bef- can you imagine? <laughs> Isn't that intense to think that there's way worse versions of me? Um, I kind of want to see that. <laughs> oh, it's terrifying. I'll show you some videos after. It's terrifying. Um, but from what I was when I left to what I was when I came back to the guns was not the same person. Yeah. And I went from talking all the time to not saying a word to not sleeping, to not talking, to not working out, to just standing there. It was bad. It mm. was so bad. Then they put me on an OP. They put me up on the tower one day. And outside of my fob was this little girl and a cow that she used to walk her cow every morning. And her fo- um, there was a compound outside the fob, not far, pretty close. And um, I would watch her every morning because my shift was the morning shift. And um, I always watch her walk. She literally just walked her cow. And like she loved it. She like loved. Like it was her dog. Oh, yeah. Like, like it was her dog. It was like no big deal. And she would always wave, right? But this time, this time, my eyes saw a gun. Hmm. And um, that's why there's two people on the tower at all times for situations like this. And so I rack and. Mm-hmm. Ready to rock on this little human who was doing nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. And um, my buddy looked at me like, did you just chamber around? Like, what? The yeah. Happening? And I'm like, yeah, she's pointing a gun at us. He's like, no, she's waving to us. I'm like, no, she's pointing at us. No, she's waving. And so I literally jumped off the tower and I ran into the radio room, be- into the comms room because I'm like, this isn't good. Yeah, and they're like, yeah, this. yeah, you're done now. Yeah. They're like, you're done. You're going, you're going home. And I'm like, that set me off. Right. So then they sent me back to CAF and, um, at that point, that's when I was really like told like that shit didn't happen to you. Like that didn't. I'm like, there's literal documentation and like a million other humans that were with me that watched that entire op go down, and you're gonna say that to me. And so wow. that's when I started really just hanging. I would sit at the boardwalk all night long, and I would sit a bunch of the guys that were Brits, even though they had to go back out on ops, they would come back and sit with me, mm. and they just stayed with me, and we just drank tea and we played with Benji and we just hung out and they were my rock mm. they were the reason that something didn't go sideways in calf until awesome. they sent me home yeah they were how so important up- is it to have that support system it is everything and mm-hmm. if you don't have that no wonder we have the suicide crisis we have right i know you come back to the states or you come back to canada or england or australia come back stateside and you know there is no there's nothing there nothing and a lot of these guys suffer so much because um, you know, a lot of the guys that I experienced, you know, um, being overseas with did not come from solid homes. No, not at all. Th- that was a rarity. Like, I got to think that plays a big part of the psychological um, portrayal, the psychological f- factor of the World War II 
um, guys and why many of them that I interview say, no, I didn't have PTSD. No, they will never tell you honestly what they've gone through. Right. And but they, they feel like that, too, very often. Like, I just had to do what I had to do. But I think coming back to that solid home and like having that home front behind you and saying, all right, time to move on. Let's go get to work. Yeah. I think that is so beneficial. Um, and yet we don't have a lot of that anymore. And so it's beneficial, but it's all, it can also be dangerous too, because in my opinion, and, and this could be, you know, this conjecture or whatever, but in my opinion, when you come home, if you come home to a healthy home and everybody wants you to just get back to what you're going to get back to or be the yeah. way you were, nobody's going to be the same when they come back from that. No. And they expect you to, to be the same. All right. And it's, it's, for me, it's about, at, the the lack of education of what it's like when you come home for the people that are receiving yeah. you like your family and your your community they don't understand why is that why is he so angry why is he so mad all the time and and the world war two guys felt that i'm just pointing oh, yeah. to the data points oh, no, of the lack absolutely. of suicide and the lack yes of, of course because they nobody outside. because nobody's they had, killing themselves no and they had then. no choice because they yeah. knew if they killed themselves that would make them look weak and second and it would also set their family back massively and they also just left a war they had left their families for what five five six years they were gone yeah. and now they're back and they have to pick up the slack for their family that's yep. their job they have no choice mm-hmm. we are very different yeah but i think that that's a positive mentally to have a it task is. when you get back if you don't have a task you're done you're done yeah. you're hooped that's it for you yeah if you don't have somebody there holding you down being like watching you at all times like you're hooped don graves like i mentioned before the the guy that i mentioned he told me yeah i said well you didn't have really any downtime like that helped you a lot mentally right and mm-hmm. he said no like he said i did have a lot of downtime he said you think working in a factory is exciting? Oh, no. It's boring. He said, I thought about the war a lot. Well, because you have time. Yeah. He said, I, so contrary to belief, like he said, the World War II guys, yes, we were busy working, but he said, I had plenty of time to think. He said, I just don't have any negative thoughts about what I did. You're fighting that nobody has negative thoughts about what they did yeah. because it's different. And mm-hmm. because there was also... Yes. The war, World War II. And you have positive feeling back home, too. Yeah. You come back home and people spit on you. Mm. Like, people spit on you. Like, that's the reaction you get. It's not, hey, you just liberated us from the Nazis who were murdering (laughs) six million Jewish people unnecessarily. It's, hey, you're meddling. Let these people live. Right. And then also let them come live in your country for free and have all the benefits your veterans have but instead your veterans are on the streets and there's one in three one in three homeless are veterans but you know what but the thing is 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 you're coming back and you're looking at the perspective differently if i came back and there was a gd parade being like you liberated a country where like now like when russell went over when we went over to juno Mm-hmm. He gets to come back to a country that he liberated successfully where women and children are playing on the beaches yeah. and they're swimming where they were. Oh, and they murdered. love him. And they love him. These new oh generations love oh him. Oh, yeah. my God. But that's what I'm saying is like when we're in France, there are Canadian mm-hmm. flags hanging over American flags, British flags, because they are so thankful. We do not have that. You're not going to see that in Afghanistan. No ever. way. In, in a head. Never. That, that place is never, ever going to be a vacation spot. <laughs> it's not going to be a Bosnia again. It's not going to be any of those. And that's the insane thing, too, because it is a beautiful country in a lot of areas. It really is. If you're mm. in those areas, mm. I particularly was <laughs> You were not. I'm thinking probably more of the Eastern Ridge. And like, uh, yeah. But um, yeah, I've seen some videos of some of those. Oh. You know, Stunning. recreational parks and stuff. The national yeah. parks, or they they have things that we don't have here. Oh no, of course they do. But it's because they they have found a way to live through 
war in succession in such a way that it's normal. What is it, though? What changed, you know? Because, you know, and I, I don't, you love history. You know what? You know I, I've read the Kite Runner, and um, you know, and I've I've heard a lot from the people that lived back in that day. You know, Kabul was in a state where it was almost a New York City. It was. You know? I you know had people walking people. around without headdresses. Mm. You know, with the, the women were not wearing burkas. Oh no, shorts and t shirt getting ice cream like yes. it's no big thing. Like and that, that you know you're talking about like 1950s, 60s. No, even the 90s, even, the early 90s. Yeah, well, even then. Yeah. Uh, but you're talking about that being a reality. So, you know, obviously the Taliban stepping and changed that. Um, but 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 what is that that we have not been able to get back to that, do you think? I honestly think that it's um, part Because we're not there yet. No. God, no. Not even close. Not even remotely close. Excuse me. Um, no, I honestly think it's a lot of it has to do with the social media platforms. Hmm. We have now given this enemy tools to spread their message on a level. And we, our media has given them tools to spread such fear mm-hmm. that we have opened up the floodgates. Mm. And, and honestly, I, like you said, I know, I've, I know some people that lived in Afghanistan, born and raised in Afghanistan. Yeah. They're Canadians and they've, been, they've lived there. Like they've lived here since, you know, they left. But I mean, they were there in the nineties. Like one of their daughters went to university, med school there. Like she showed me pictures of them in like skirts and dresses, getting ice cream at six o'clock, walking around. Like that was not a thing. Like that when I talk it doesn't about even it, doesn't even sound her, believable. Oh my! It, it's you after what you, you and I've see seen. The pictures. Oh, you do because you're like, there's no way, there's no way. But then when everything came in and the Taliban came in and Sharia law came in and that that just religious pull and. I honestly think it's an indoctrination of the younger generations have gone from the Soviet war, mm-hmm. seeing their parents fighting that, to now we're fighting those kids that were there during the Soviet war. Yes. You and killed my family. I'm going to kill you. Yes, absolutely. And you're also talking about a lack of education. Oh, there's know. none. I mean, especially amongst the young women. But, um, you know, it's prevalent in every part of that country. As the Taliban first tries to shut down, you know, that system of education. And so only absolutely. the top layers are educated, right? Because, Very rarely, too, at yeah. that point. But a lot of but the, the ones of those that are educated are coming back to these American, British, and Canadian schools. Yep. And then going back over there. Yep. And then saying, oh, no, 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 no. You don't need that. It's the Western democracy way of education, and we don't want you knowing all that. We don't want that. That information is not true. They're going to try to create you and make the big Satan mm-hmm. that you are. Well, it's because they, in my opinion, at least from what I've seen, so I can only speak to what I've seen, but like from what I've seen is they just don't want. Here's the thing, and this doesn't. This is not a women a women deal, but they don't want uprising. They don't want anybody telling them no. They don't want anybody telling them that they're wrong, and they don't want anybody get like losing. They have control right now, and it's a control yeah. thing. It's never been anything but control. And the second you have control over a type of people, a, a, a body of people, um, anything like that, you're going to get that one person who's going to take it too far, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what's happened. Yes. They're taking it too far. Sharia law, like this stoning women because they look at a soldier. Yeah. Are you kidding me? So now they have to be murdered by like the largest rocks they can find. And like the last son gets to drop it on like the last rock gets to drop it on their head. Like it's a disgusting way to be looking at a culture. But here's the thing. It's a religion thing. Mm -hmm. And Afghanistan will never be liberated in that sense because they don't believe in what we believe in and that's okay and we need to just let that be 
what it is. Mm -hmm. But because of the day and age that we live in with technology and with social media and with the accessibility of the drop of a dime, you can type a message. You're you're indoctrinating people in the United States and the rest of the world that would never have been exposed to Sharia law or murder or lone wolf attacks or how to build a bomb with a you know with a pipe cutter or like like the, the things that they come up with. Yeah, it's widespread. Well, right. The, and the educational process is interesting to me too, as well, because you're talking about also the social media. Is it's a very great point that you made. Social media is such a powerful tool, and it's creating a lot of problems as well. I don't think we actually realize how powerful it would be until it's too late. I don't think so either. And, you know, we're talking about something, too, within the American people where you see a problem overseas and go, oh, how come we're not fighting a a war to liberate those people? We need to feel feel the need of Mm -hmm. – And then two or three years later, we're, we're screaming against that. It doesn't make any sense. It's like, okay, wait. So you guys asked us to go to war, and yeah. now we're going, and, and you now don't you like hate it, us for and it. now you hate us for yeah. it. So we're coming back, and we're homeless. <laughs> and then now. we didn't finish the job. And then we didn't finish the job. You told us the way to finish it. We can only finish the job if we're allowed to finish the job. But when you have the media coming at you constantly, and they're constantly bombarding you, saying you're doing the wrong thing, you're dropping bombs on the wrong people. War is messy. Oh, yeah. War is dirty. War is angry and violent and gross and just disgusting and traumatizing. And we cannot win a war or go do our jobs when we're being criticized for doing our jobs. Mm-hmm. No. It's, it's, it's no different anywhere else. It's like being criticized for building a car. You're building the car the wrong way. Well, that's the way I was told to build it. But that's the wrong way for that person. But that's the way I'm told to build it. And so, and that's what it comes down to. You are building, you are creating this, this belief that we need to be fixing these people everywhere in the world. We need to be liberating these people everywhere in the world. But we can't do it when you're tying our hands behind our back. Mm-hmm. It's just not possible. It's just not reality. And that that breeds a culture of the soldiers coming home and all of a sudden the suicide crisis and the homelessness is acceptable to people. And there's no right or wrong answer, but in my opinion, the right answer is start looking after the kids you send over there. Why is this so hard? Why is this such a difficult conversation? Why is it so difficult for politicians to stand up for the people they're so willingly and willy-nilly to just send over to fight a war? Right. Why is that so damn hard? Super hard. And but, I don't know why but it's it shouldn't not, be. though. It's common sense. And there's mm. the lack of common they sense. They make it hard. They make it They make it hard because they'll be scrutinized by the media. They'll be yep. scrutinized by anybody. And that all goes back to political correctness. Oh, it's disgusting. has no place in uh, war. I mean... It doesn't. It has no place in when soldiers come home. It has no place in mental health. It has no place in war itself. Yeah, I know. And that's, you know, I think... You know, I think the social media point that you made was really great because it points out a, a glaring problem in our society, right? Which mm-hmm, is like mm-hmm. freedom and allowing freedom is inherently dangerous to allow freedom. It's, it is. It's it is. super dangerous. It's, it's not wrong, but it's dangerous. It's super dangerous. I, I love freedom. And I, I, beautiful I, thing, I, <laughs> beautiful thing. Yeah, going back to uh, the Tim Kennedy says, "I prefer dangerous freedom." And dangerous, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. true. He's it not is wrong. He's not wrong, especially in a society now where we have technologies that really allow you to go beyond that and do mm-hmm. certain things that just cannot be almost controlled. So you're talking yeah. about having to trust people inherently, right? And that's and, what freedom is: is having to trust people. And we don't have that trust, though. That's mm. the difference: is we we can't. 
here's the thing. We can't be trusted at this point. Yeah. And, and not us, not us in the American and the Canadian sense, but we can't trust that other countries we're fighting against are going to are going to go by the same rules. They're not. Right. And that is why you're seeing what you're seeing. Mm -hmm. And that is why people are feeling what they're feeling because it's almost, they feel like it's a human rights violation. But really at the end of the day, we're following the law. We're doing our job. Yeah. It's, it's when we come home that that's where the true human rights violation happens. True. Yeah. That's where the true disaster happens. That's when the people really, truly get left behind. Yes. And that is the epidemic in which we have the 22 a day. Mm-hmm. And it's disgusting that somehow we've been talking about this since the war started of our veterans coming. I mean, our soldiers coming home now being veterans. One, not having, you know, any retraining for schooling. Two, not having even a home to come home to. And one of the things I've learned in therapy for the, God, oh my God, the past eight years that I've gone every single week, shout out to Dr. Greg Passy and Ma Casqueta for keeping me off the ledge for the past eight years of my life. But the one thing I've learned is that nobody's going to change unless they want to change. Not only that, nobody's going to change if you don't give them the opportunity to change. And nobody's going to change unless you give them the tools to change. Mm -hmm. And that is where our governments on every single, every country that's involved in this war has failed us. They have failed us. They are so quick to send us. They're so quick to use us as a tool, but they are the last person. You'll heal crickets when you call for help. Yep. It's just disgusting. Anyway, that's, that's, that's where I think the true, the true humanity and the, and the fact that we can't trust our own people and it's been proven. We can't trust our people. We can trust them to send us over to do the dirty work Mm -hmm. or they're not willing to look after their mess when they get home. Yeah, and I think that's where the punishment phase comes in, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we come back and then you hear about all these guys who are being tried for war crimes or you're like hearing the stories and you're going, oh my gosh, like that's not, you know, and, and you know, not to get into the politics too much of it. but No, but it's reality it's and that's reality. the truth. And it's been a one big thing that I have been a fan of lately is seeing quite a few of these guys having those, you know, convictions overturned. It needs to happen. And it it, it should have happened a long time ago. If you haven't done anything wrong. Yeah. You true. I mean, come on. Yeah. And if you've tried and tested a guy like I, you know, I've been following particular this, you know, story of Eddie um, and Andrea, um, you know, and Eddie was a Navy SEAL over in Iraq and during this latest war, ISIS. And I've since come to know about the family a little bit. Uh, but, you know, he was tried. And obviously, you know, first of all, he's being held without bail. Which I was just, just going to say, is he still being held, right? No, he's out now. He's out now, But he right? was out for like 10. He was in jail for like 10 months. How is that legal? No bail. Yeah, How is that legal? I, I mean, yeah, UCMJ is just wild. I mean, uh, you're allowed yeah, to do whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but that's the thing. There's no yeah. oversight. Yeah, there's, the, the oversight is like, well, you're in the military, so we don't have the normal rules. Yeah, but that's not reality. And that's also like, are they on a reality show where they think they can just make the rules up as they go like that? Because that's not how that works. Yeah, it's, you know, and here's the thing. Um, that whole, it was a big dog and pony show, I feel like. But then when he was, you know, let out and finally let out on bail so he could, like, speak to his lawyers properly and have a chance at defending himself, well, then, you know, they ran the, they had the whole trial and, you know, he was found to be innocent. And then yet, na- yet the Navy, Naval Special Warfare is still trying to punish him when a <sighs> president pardoned him. 
Yeah, but it's you know wild. why they're doing that, though. You know mm. why they're doing that, right? It's because it's the pr- the it's the specific presence of that carbon. <laughs> no, no shade, yeah, no shade yeah. being thrown. It's because yeah, the political climate in which the United States has yes, right yes, now. Yes. That is why, because they, us versus them type of thing. Uh huh. And so mm. it doesn't matter if. Okay, here's the thing: if Obama pardoned him, this this would have been left alone. Yeah, I think so. But it's because I, no, I honestly, we watch your politics. I know more about your politics than I know about my own. <laughs> I don't even know when we vote. I think we just had a vote. I think most British people do too. <laughs> well, it's because you guys are comical. Yeah. No offense, like no, seriously, no shade thrown. It's the Disneyland of. You know what it is though? It's stories. because it's the it's a Disneyland of stories, but it's also because it's the way the press tell it. Oh, right? yeah, they yeah. make it interesting. It's, it's clickbait. So it turns that, into like a Kim Kardashian story uh-huh, when you're dealing uh-huh. with somebody's human life. And here's what's disgusting about that yeah. is they've used it as a pawn for clickbait mm-hmm. and they've used it in the way that this man is innocent. And because it's the specific president that you do not like, mm-hmm. you're going to keep going after him. Mm-hmm. Give it a rest already. He's been proven to be innocent. Yeah. When is enough enough? But that's what I mean. Yeah, go after the you listen, and you know, go after the president if you want to go after the president. But like if you're you going after you. the if you're going after the man who fought in wars and is heavily decorated, heavily, is, heavily decorated. decorated, and you're going after that man consistently based on hearsay, there's a massive problem. That's just with conjecture, that. and yeah. that, there's more than a massive problem. And that right there comes back to trusting humanity and why we. Here's the thing. We need to trust humanity in the sense of schooling, healthcare. Like, there's things that you can trust humanity with for a minute amount. But when it comes to things like this, we're not educated or well-equipped to deal with that because none of the people that are judging us when we get home have done, been, or been around anything. They have no context. No. They they could literally, there could have been a guy standing over top of you, stabbing you in the face with, you know, with like a knife in the eye. Mm-hmm. And you could have shot him in cold blood. Consider, like, you know, I'm doing the bunny ears here because they could say it's cold blood, but you're defending yourself. Well, he didn't have a weapon. Well, a knife's still a weapon, but is it? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they'll never understand what they're judging. They'll never understand what they're what they're listening to when they say, oh, this happened. And, and you'll never understand the stress of being no, in that situation. No, you won't. And Sorry, so, sweetheart. You just won't. You just won't. And yeah. so they're allowing people to try him or that were trying him that can never truly understand war. And the only thing that they've ever seen close to it has been movie. Yeah. Like, the, I get being tried by a jury of your peers. Right. But is that really your peers? No. No. Not if they haven't been to combat. No, it isn't. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, if he if they had been to combat and it was them that was trying them, he would have been off the first day. Yeah. Because they would have been like, buddy, I would have done it any time. Yeah. Any time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, no. Yeah. It's it's just, it's a it's a tricky situation with social media. It's a, it's a different type of animal. And we have unleashed something that none of us can, one, we don't know how to control because this is all yeah. new to all of us, right? And also because you can't control and it. And that's another thing. Yeah. And number two is you can't control it. Yeah. And you've created this link to everywhere in the world where now the enemy can get to anybody mm-hmm. and they can indoctrinate anybody. So now they don't even have to travel. They don't have to come live here for 15 years. Nope. They don't have to go to Princeton or do all this and get all this money and like you pretend. You can YouTube it like you, you said earlier. You can YouTube mm. this and you can literally cause mass harm in your own country without even ever talking to anybody. And all you have to say when the news interviews you if you're not shot and killed is that you did it because of blah, 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 blah. Right. And now they're going to use you as a martyr. Yep. So it's, yeah, it's, I don't know that there's ever going to be 
a world without war anymore. Yeah. I really, I, I, I know that sounds negative, but like when you look at the climate and like everything, mm-hmm. it just feels like it's never ending. Well, to take you back, as I said, I'm, you know, I'm a Christian. The the Bible says very openly that there will always be wars and rumors of wars always. at a certain point, and I, I see that to be true. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, you know, it's just a fact. There, once on that forever. kicked off, you know, I mean, we've always had war, but even in the context of 2001, after that kicked off when i really towers, feel like yeah the second a tower got hit, From it, that was hit over. it was over it i was feel over. like now in that context you can't live without some, some sense of terror and and that's but that's the thing that frust- i think frustrates me the most about social media is it's not a so that the issues is most like social media is a beautiful thing mm-hmm. okay it allows me to cu- still communicate mm. with the guys i serve it's like with. any technology it's can be beautiful. used for good and bad exactly things. but when you're using it now for the things that we're using it. We can't ever get away from this. Yeah. And so at the second that first plane hit, we were hooped. Yeah. That was it. This this is going to be an ongoing thing forever because now we've created an enemy that we're always going to have to have our thumb on mm-hmm. top of because if we don't, it's going to come over here. Yeah. And that's not fear. We have created a, a fearful society now. And that's also something that's horrifying because our generate the generation after us is going to grow up and know no, no peace. You know, I, I saw something interesting um, on a Pat Tillman piece uh, documentary ah, about him. Pat Tillman Foundation. I'm yes. going to be working with them oh, soon. Cool. Shout I want to cover and... his uh, wife for the Caregiver Project. That's like a very yeah. big interesting one. Uh, Pat, uh, you know, it was a very interesting thing that, you know, I was watching on this documentary where the towers got attacked and then the rest, of, all the Arizona Cardinals voted that they not play. And Pat yep. Tillman was the only dissenting vote against that. Doesn't said, shock me at all. Yeah, but the guys took that to be non-patriotic. But what uh, he was really saying is, we can't show fear because if we show fear, they win, and if we if they bad. win, we lose freedoms. Exactly, because that's terror. But look what's terror happening causes now. causes a loss of freedom. Exactly. So Pat voted then, and then Pat later became an Army Ranger, which is so insane he was clearly the most patriotic <laughs> of any of them. Absolutely. Um, but that that moment uh, was a defining moment for me in hearing that because I thought that's so true, man. Like in that moment when terror became a real issue is when you start to lose your freedoms and then that's when they win 100 percent. 100 percent. And now because of what we're talking about right now, social media, right? We can never have freedom in the context that we had it. It never. just can't exist. It won't. And in the second that the, you know, the World Wide Web was created, that's yeah. what happened. And, you know... It, philosophy you'll learn this in university like you know the singularity is going was going to always happen no matter what we chose to do technology will always advance and it will advance at a pace that we cannot keep our thumb on anymore and that's what you're starting to see with this constant change and new iphone new this new that and it's because it's always updating it's always getting better and it'll get better faster and we can choose to use it for a positive thing or we can choose to use it for a negative thing and then like when you see people Talk about where were you when the towers went down? Mm-hmm. Like you and I spoke previously before the podcast. You have no idea. You had no clue, inclination, anything that that was going to be the turning point for the entire world. Oh, yeah. And it is crazy how it happened in one space. And it, yes, it happened in multiple with the Pentagon and things like that. But it happened so significantly in that one space and... The second, and it was kind of the birth of the internet at the same time. And yeah. when you watch, it all came together at that oh, time. Oh, really. it all came together yeah. beautifully for that enemy. And mm-hmm. the second that happened, we all became afraid of an yeah. enemy. And even if we didn't have the reason to be afraid of him, 
we were. I remember, you know, and I remember. Um, Insincere. Was, yeah, I was 14 years old. I was in the eighth grade. And I remember seeing the I remember hearing my mom, like, you know, I told you I was homeschooled, so mm-hmm. I was home. And I remember hearing my mom just, like, you know, gasp. Yeah. And she said, oh, she said, oh, no, no, like, you know, come in here. Come in here, Tim. And I said, come in. And as I came into the room, I saw the tower smoking. And I thought, oh, wow, that's. Man, what happened? Like somebody flew a plane. It was an accident. That's yeah, everybody. Horrible. I think everybody yeah. thought that initially was, was not. And as I'm watching, I see that second plane go mm-hmm. into the second tower, and I was like, "Oh!" And I remember the immediate feeling of that. And my mom said to me, "I said, I well, she said, I want you to write this down about how you feel right now because you remember this forever." Oh yeah. And I wrote it down. I wrote it down on a page, and I remember just feeling so afraid. Number one. It was the first time as an American I'd ever felt afraid. And there's your fear. Yeah, right my there. fear. It was there. It's just, but but the dependent, like General Patton mm-hmm. said, is it all depends upon how you act upon that fear. Exactly. That's where courage comes into play. Mm-hmm. But I, so the courage states, all oh, right, we have our freedom and we need to defend that. We don't act just because of the fear. We act because we know we have to. Exactly. And so, but I saw that hit the hit the tower and I thought oh and I just thought things will I, I thought things will always be different but I did not know that it would be as extreme as it is to the extent you in can't. which it is and that the, here's the thing we have bred the next generation to be afraid of everything yeah. we have bred ourselves to be afraid of everything and, and not in the sense of just like general fear but fear of speech fear of just doing certain things being certain places talking mm-hmm. a certain way you're always afraid did i offend you did i say this wrong was i did that sound racist did that sound prejudiced and then <laughs> But that's the when did that happen before? Yeah. That was never a thing. I don't thing. think it was a thing. I don't even think like shoot like there was Columbine. Yeah. But up until that point, what was there after that? Yeah. Nah, and none that I can remember in Sandy Hook, but that was much later on. But I can't remember a time when people were afraid to go to a baseball game or to a basketball game in a large crowd or a concert because people are now are so afraid. I mean, look what happened in Las Vegas a couple years ago. Yeah. Was it a year ago? It was a couple years. Was it a couple years Mm now? Yeah. Um, I was there right after that. That's why I I can't quite remember. But, um, I, like I said, I remember I was with the towers and I'm Canadian. Yeah. Like we all, it, it changed the world and the way we view the world. Mm -hmm. And the thing I think was the most terrifying is knowing that, it would never be the same, but also the unknown of knowing of not knowing how that would affect us. And now, in hindsight, when you look back, that was the turning point in my life, and I was only eleven. Yeah, how crazy is that? When you think about that, it's insane. People joined the military later on, not because they would normally have done that. If nine eleven never happened, no. None of this. None of us would be where we are right now. No. And it's not to say that's a bad thing, but it is to say that. Things have changed yeah. and they've changed for the permanent and you either be fearful or you learn that you can be okay. It's yeah. okay. You don't have to be afraid of everything. It's, it's truly not that bad. There's a difference between being fearful and between being educated and knowing your surroundings. Yeah, educate. Yeah. I saw in mm-hmm. uh, a parking lot a few days ago, I was walking kind of off to the side of this a young woman as she was walking through the parking lot and she kept looking back at me uh, very pointedly. Because you were walking too close to her. But I, <laughs> creep, creep. I was literally, I was smelling her hair. Okay, well, yeah, that's... Felt, <laughs> what, that's scary? 
that's that's not I'm not allowed to do oh, that okay. anymore. Wait, wait, I'm not. Okay, I thought that was still on the agenda. <laughs> I had my hand on the back of her neck. That uh, no, was weird. That's not that's oh, not okay. acceptable anymore. <laughs> I was really like twenty feet off to the right of her. Yeah, not. And even I was like making sure to not be right behind her because I didn't want her to be afraid. But, but see, but do you hear how you just yeah, said that? Why I didn't, should I? Why should yeah, you have yeah, to crazy. worry about being afraid? Yeah, like oh, I'm worried really. about that already. I'm thinking politically correct because I got to be off to the right of her and not so scare she can this see woman. You, she's and gonna see me, so I don't get me tooed. Yeah, or tased, tased, or killed, or any of them. So I'm in Texas, could be killed, most likely shot. And I am off to the right of her and. And she keeps pointedly looking back at me. And like it, the third time she looked back and I said, and I lo- she looked at me and said, good job. And she's like, oh, she's like, well, my dad's in the military. So that's uh, great. That's good for you. Yeah, that is There's impressive. There's a very big difference. You have a knowledge yeah. of your understanding of, of, of the surroundings. Mm-hmm. That's fine. To create, but to have that make you fearful is the problem. And that's where we let them win. Mm-hmm. So if you can teach yourself how to be aware right. and conscious of your environment, which most people aren't. And that's why you see their heads down walking with their phones and they trip and smack their face off poles, which makes for the best YouTube videos. <laughs> walk off a cliff and die, oh, which we do not Oh my God, recommend. that has happened. What is wrong with the world? But also social Darwinism. Oh, so, well, well. That, we're sorry. No comment. Yeah. Are we sorry? Though? <laughs> Are we sorry? You were on your phone. That's on we're you. We're sorry you died. That's on you. Yeah. But but that's but that's it, right? It's mm-hmm. about finding that that acceptable, healthy fear. Yes. And it doesn't have to be a fear. It can be just an awareness of your surroundings. Yes. Simple as that. Yeah. If you're aware, then you're safer. Awareness is not fear. No, it's not fear. You exactly. learn that really quickly as a soldier. <laughs> awareness yeah. is not fear. No. Everything you have to be aware of. Fear is when somebody's pointing a gun at your face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, uh, <laughs> yes. Never mind. It's not that. I want to say it's not that bad, but yeah. it's yeah, yeah. It's part of the job. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, Walk that back a little yeah. bit. <laughs> There is a there is a big difference though in the knowledge of that yes. and like understanding and understanding the context of being in a place where you know in nowadays the, the truth of it is is that you need to have awareness of your surroundings and having awareness of your surroundings does not make you fearful it just makes you it makes you it puts you in a place where you have the knowledge of that surrounding it's and, the knowledge yeah, exactly the, the knowledge education and the, but but let me tell you having been overseas and being in that place my it did not make me scared I no. felt just I felt like Okay, well, I know like these. There are this many exits in the room. I know yeah, where yeah. I shouldn't have my back turned to. I know yeah. that I should not move past a window without pointing my weapon towards that window and being ready for anything in that space. Mm-hmm. The, there's just little things that don't make you more fearful. Your neurons are just fi- firing a little faster. Yeah, it's just awareness. It's and, strictly awareness. Right. It doesn't have to be any more, or any less, and it doesn't have to be looked at any more, or any less. Absolutely, it's that simple. Mm-hmm. But it's that. Um, the issue becomes when that becomes fear. overactive right. fear. Yes. And that's, I think, what... Hyper-focus. Uh-huh. And I think that's where the media has done a beautiful job. <laughs> they have made everybody hyper-focused and hyper-terrified. Yes. And it's unfortunate. And be- that becomes the loss of your freedom. And welcome to the loss of the freedoms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, getting real dark. It's like you could <laughs> make it like you. a... Yeah, Thank uh, you for coming. Yeah. Thank you for coming to the Communism. loss of freedom. <laughs> Welcome. We are now about to talk about your rights all being taken away. Nobody judge. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. It is. It does become a massive fear, though, because people in those spaces, I think all of that starts for a good reason. And then people in those spaces who are directly evil take advantage of the oh, loss of Oh, it's no different than anything that's happened down the road. It's, it's giving that freedom. It's no different than anything else. Mm-hmm. You're given that freedom. When you abuse that freedom, that's when things like that happen. And it's, it's terrifying. But yes. it doesn't need to be. And it's about shutting that shit down quick you recently kind of had uh, if you don't want to get into this you can cut Uh this out of the podcast but you recently had something um you know with uh justin trudeau where you know we were talking (laughs) we were talking about pronouns right um what a winner that guy is like people don't you don't want to make people feel bad of course right yeah that's commonly known i don't want to make anyone feel bad (laughs) but (laughs) well actually i do want to make a lot of people feel bad but (laughs) I was in an infantry company, but right? you don't you don't want to persecute to pain, right? That's no, I feel true. you. So you know there came out this legislation in you know where we were going to start, um, you know where Canada was going to start uh, prosecuting people for speech and for improper pronoun usage, which would have been the first type of legislation ever. It's um, never going to happen, and it should not. And it, it would won't be a happen. very scary world where it did. But you know, I remember he just lost majority, so the, he's not yeah, going to pass. It. Yeah, thank oh, God, right? Yeah, he just lost majority. So he's that. That's never going to get through the house. But and where you, you know, you have somebody like a YouTuber, you know, like Jordan Peterson, having to actively speak out against something like that. Yeah, like what? But that, that's what's crazy to me is like he has built. Jordan Peterson is a brilliant human being, mm-hmm. also Canadian. No big D. Just <laughs> shout out to the Canadian. I think a lot of my crowd loves Jordan Peterson. Uh, yeah, I think everybody does. Because yeah. why wouldn't you? Yeah. But the reality is that. The way that our governments that are set up, never had to that come should about. never. Well, that he should never have had to be that person. No, this should just be no. common damn sense. Yeah, and that's why it's so infuriating. Yes, this the fact but that, that because, that's what I'm going back to. About yeah, that's what I mean. Freedoms. Yeah, and and so Trudeau isn't okay. Here's the thing with Trudeau: for the very minimal amount I know about my government, which is actually sad to say, <laughs> um, what I do know is that he's a. And I'm okay with saying it. Mm-hmm. And I know that there are a lot of people out there that are my supporters, honestly, that are Trudeau fans. And here's the thing. You haven't had to go through or deal with the system in which he has screwed up so horrifically by closing VA hospitals, by closing VA offices, by giving... You know, we have case managers that have 75 to 100 people per case manager. That's No, sick. it's disgusting. You cannot properly look after your veterans. There's community. no way. No. And those are being shut down. We had a terrorist sue our government and win. $10.4 million. When in reality, that he guy should won. have been shot in the back of the head. Well, that's... Yeah. yeah. So... The Texas opinion here. <laughs> Shoot him in the back of the head. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Texas. <laughs> Nothing else. Texas. Oh, you guys give him $10.4 million? Here, give that here. Uh, I can do a thousand projects and we'll shoot you in Texas. the back of Texas. <laughs> but the truth is, is he... The thing is, we had, you know, the truth of the matter is, is everybody is going to feel a certain way about their politics. And right. that is your God given right. And I am fine I've never with that. had any bias against anything in this because it's not my job because to speak on that. Because it's not your job to speak. Exactly. Yeah. But it is our job to call people out when they're trying to invoke legislation. That which hurts us. That hurts us strictly. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, there was a soldier during a town hall when Trudeau was trying to get in the first time. Did you all hear about that down here? Probably, probably did, but it, it was bad. In yeah, the it's been of it's a bunch of news. it's been a, well. Yeah, you, your news cycles are vicious, but um, it was it was in a town hall and it was live on television and a soldier stood up missing a leg 
from Afghanistan. And he goes, you know, I'm, he was telling like, I, you know, I don't have anywhere to go. Like I have no money, like back turned me down, you know, just these issues. And Tr- Trudeau looked him squarely and goes, I don't have anything else to give. And this is right after he just paid that terrorist $10.4 million. Oh my God. So, but that's what I'm saying is they will never understand until you send their children off to war. Laws will never change. Yeah. Legislation will never change. Our freedoms are always going to be that our freedoms, but they're only going to be our freedoms if we're going to keep pushing for them to be our freedoms. People mm-hmm. are always going to try to stop us from saying things, doing things. And yes, there's a political, you know, politically correct way to correct way to say things. Yeah. And there's a respectful way to say things. And then there's just that's a, just being a professional. Well, that's it. That's it. And that's yeah. just being a general good human. But then there's ways when you tell us that we can't say something the right way. I don't know everybody's pronouns. Mm. I have time. Don't even know what they'll mean. <laughs> I just know that I call you hi. Hi. That's what I get. I mean, I don't I don't have I don't know everything and you can't Here's the thing with that law. You cannot expect everybody to know everything. Yeah. And so that's why that'll never work and never pass. And that's when you start calling ignorance a crime. That's disgusting. Yeah. But we that's don't... what happens with those war crimes. Oh, it, exactly what yeah. happens. It's it's straight up ignorance and that's what I said. Being tried by a jury of your peers is never truly being tried by a jury of your peers right because those peers will never have seen or done or been in the situation where it's been you or me yeah and that's, that's true just, and that's just the end and that's just the end of it that's just what it is that's true so yeah kelsey i really want to get into it with you about what you've done since because you've created this incredible yeah. company that is very artistic. You got Kevin Hart. You got Ellen. You want me to rattle got, the names? Just rattle. I got the names. Tell me. They're Tell beautiful. Me. Tell me the names. We got Channing Tatum, oh, Jenna wow. Dewan, Kevin wow. Hart, Julianne Huff, Michael Bublé. <laughs> Jesse Tyler Ferguson. You're allowed to say that here. He was our president. Jesse Tyler Ferguson, Whitney Cummings, Kat wow. Dennings, Michael Thorne. Yeah, what's wow. up? She's dope. I got some photos. I'll show you her. Um, her and Beth are really tight. Ellen DeGeneres. We were on her 12 Days of Giveaway. We also got to do some um, a cool project with oh, Beth and cool. her. Yeah, and um, very recently, um, a lovely gentleman who also stars in Band of Brothers has mm, recently come I on board. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, I remember Band of Brothers very well. And Band of Bro- it's coming back out. Yeah. I know. I was, I was, so many great actors. I was talking that. to him about that project, actually. he um, Michael Fassbender in a minor uh-huh. role. Just a a, oh, I know. All of them were just total yeah. that man that movie that that series that series was, was unbelievable amazing. Well, it's, yeah. and it's so needed to come back right yeah um so so no yeah he actually i was really fortunate neil um lives in vancouver in mm. our area and he so came cool. out to our um we did a rowathon we did a 24-hour rowathon of rowing machines for uh, wounded warriors in honor house in new westminster in british columbia they're like the ronald mcdonald for veteran families they look after your entire family first responders you stay there as long as you need to i actually just recently was left the board of that just because i got a little bit crazy but they're a big part of our charity program and um we donated the u.s portions of wounded warriors and uh yeah he came out and he rode with us for an hour at the 11 o'clock hour on um veterans day and and remembrance day he did the whole thing and he talked shit the entire time (laughs) he had he's a true soldier he had a royal marine uh james beside him then he had me and himself and he was pulling out the hoorahs and the Mm -hmm. whole thing and i'm like you know where you are right and you know who you're again like with right now like so he yeah he was a he was a great sport he's a huge uh supporter of veterans and brass and unity and his wife and his kids and his kids rode it was honestly it was beautiful yeah and wow we've been really lucky um brass and unity really started just as the form of art therapy um Mm -hmm. the doctor suggested when i was going through my rough patch that i try that and i got a drill 
a pipe cutter and a hammer and I ruined a kitchen table and um, <laughs> my husband did not appreciate that. We still have but that kitchen But he does now. Table. But he does now. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and I started making jewelry and um, to be honest with you, like I've never been in case you haven't noticed, you know, I was a professional Taekwondo fighter. I, I raced moto. I'm not exactly the girly girl um, and uh, played soccer, the whole shebang and um so when jewelry came about, that was kind of a really like. Eh, that you're so good at it. Thank you. I have to give my husband credit because he designs a lot of stuff. Uh. It's his passion project as well. So, mm. um, so yeah, no, I'm very, I'm very fortunate. But um, yeah, and I, I started making it. Um, somebody saw it. Um, somebody liked it. Store asked about it. Started selling to stores. Cut to you know, it's been it's been four years in November this year, um, which has been crazy from the moment from the kitchen table till now. And um, we uh, have donated over half a million dollars. We have over 200 retailers carrying the product. We sell online. Um, our whole purpose is really not that we're trying to become billionaires here at all by any means. That's not what we do. I don't take a paycheck. I don't... Um, I really don't take anything from it. If anything, I put into it and uh, I pay my girls and I pay my girls because they are, I have got ride or die girls. And I mean, they don't work so for cool. me. They work with me. We are a team fully, fully. And I can't do a single thing without these girls. And, um, they're everything. I mean, they keep it going when I'm gone and I'm doing these types of things. And, uh, Without them, I don't know what I would do. So the company has grown from a kitchen table to a small room in the house to a full basement to a full building and a warehouse and factories. And now we produce our product and we ship it all over the world. And 20% of every piece that we sell, whether it's anywhere, we donate the proceeds. So if the product sells in the United States, the money stays here. Mm. Um, if the product sells in Canada and vice versa everywhere else the money stays there so we donate to whoever buys and if you buy more in the states then more money stays in the states you know vice versa but we're really fortunate because we've kind of broken into um, you know we went from backpacking like uh, these trade shows like not where I'm supposed to be at all pregnant not allowed in there like <laughs> handing out line sheets and samples and to having really super super loyal clients wow. and um, I've been really lucky I mean I've gotten to meet amazing foundations like we were just on the doctors yesterday we did a we did an episode with a, um, a US Marine who served uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan and it turned out he was on the same tour as me Mm. Um, and he just lost his house in a fire and he had his four children in there and his wife and luckily they made it all out um, fortunately very fortunately and we were just able to donate $10,000 to them wow. and uh, get them a bunch of other help and Amazing. that was because and we caught you know it was by fluke I contacted a heart of a veteran out of Chicago mm -hmm. run by Jordan Howell and um, I said hey like I'm I, I have an opportunity to help somebody do you have anybody that really needs it she goes yeah and that charity heart of a veteran flew the entire family out to LA put them up in a hotel um, their kids included and it was just such a beautiful you know show of humanity and that people actually cared for a second and mm. so that's what my company does <coughs> we you know we make jewelry and sunglasses for men and women and it's just really it's the vehicle to get the money in the hands of people that need it that's all it is and it's a source of hope for a lot of people people wear our stuff when they're going through a hard time and I get emails all the time saying like I've looked down at the bracelet and it just like gave me that extra like I'm gonna be alright like I've got a team of people behind me and we have people reach out all the time it just just to talk say i'm going through something is there anybody you know that i can talk to and like we're not in the mental health deal but we are a jewelry company that just has the resources yeah and so yeah that's what we do now it's been really really fun and you as a canadian veteran helped out an american brother 
How crazy is that? Why all the people that gave that donate toward that ten thousand dollars? I'm just gonna rattle off their yeah. names because it wasn't just me. It was TWS. It's also a Canadian charity out of Toronto, Canada. Mm. Together we stand. They um they're huge. They look after the families of those of this the people who are de- when their people are deployed. The families they look after them. They mm. get them for Christmas. All these amazing things. So together we stand. Shout out to them. They're amazing. We even had like I called my accountant called some of her clients and a construction company in Vancouver X three Construction shot in some money for this family. Then we also had another. So we had myself X three. We had together we stand and we had Jordan Howell with the heart of a veteran. Um, who else do we also get money from? My God, people have just been helping these guys out so much i've been really 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 thankful let me go through my list because i don't want to forget anybody this family really um well this family really is gonna have uh, you know a lot of help in their life now because of this and that's exactly what we wanted and our goal was not to politicize their pain but our goal was to show the world that there are people in our country and in your country that are suffering from you know ptsd that might not be in the military anymore and they still go through some serious serious things and that is the difference is if you work with people who care like my community does we're going to be able to help a lot of people the other one i was mentioning to say is called heads up foundation they're a mental health foundation so for men specifically for suicide prevention with men Mm. so it's like headsup.com and every so every foundation that donated to this american has all been canadian wow (laughs) yeah it was a really really beautiful thing um it, it shows the strength of community and it shows that people do care if you just find the right ones <laughs> unfortunately we have to find the right ones hopefully one day everybody will care yeah that's the goal right yeah definitely yeah so it's fantastic we, we got a couple uh guest questions that i wanted to get to let's get it um you know we, we've kind of we're trying to you know institute this as a regular part of the project absolutely the and so you should this are your these are the people listening we want to answer these so we got a question um from Macy and hi Macy uh, in Nashville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I got some stores down there. Yeah, she. Uh, you have stores in a lot of places. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing. It's well. about it's, no, 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 no. It's just about that hustle, baby. It's about that hustle. Oh you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I know what no, you're talking no, no. about. Yeah. No, yeah. we're d- we're doing well in the sense that we're making a lot of change. Then that a lot is of all you can hope for. That's right. Right there. All right. Let me see this. Um, so the question was. Let me find it. Struggle City over there, what? Oh, yeah. I know. I'm kidding. I'm not doing this right. That's all right. We're going to have to edit some stuff out. Nah, you'll be all right. <laughs> Just do it. Editing's... Just leave this on here. Editing is overrated. <laughs> you know what? While you're finding the questions there, Macy, before while he's struggling to find your question, I'm going to plug my book right now. Mm-hmm. Plug it. I'm going to plug it. So, yes. All right, team. So... I recently just uh, finished a book that's going to be coming out in September 2020, and uh, we're going to be donating portions of the proceeds of that book to, uh, you know, a heart of a veteran. We're going to be donating it to uh, the veteran project itself. So we're going to be doing a lot of great things with this. So um, basically, it's just the life story of me. Really, it's my memoir, and it was purchased before it was wrote. So I'm hoping that it's an interesting and, um, you know, jaw-dropping but yet gripping story. Here's the thing is I feel like, in our community, there's a lot of women that have served but haven't necessarily told their story. So I'm hoping that this maybe will open a floodgate um, for our women in our other community, knowing that their stories are important. We've all gone through things together, and I think that this is a big way 
to open that up. And I'm hopeful that it can be. And I hope it can also be a tool for mental health. I mean, we put a lot of tips and tricks in there and things of, you know, diagnosis. If you're not sure, you see somebody that you love, you care for, and you're seeing signs and symptoms, just rip that page out and give it to them. Hey, you feeling any of these? Because mm. if you are, let's let's just chat about it. Yeah. Doesn't have to be a thing. Yeah. Let's just see. So the book's going to be called Brass and Unity. It's going to come out on our site at brassandunity.com, but it's also going to be selling in uh, Indigo chapters, things like that. We'll definitely hit you up with it um, before and let you guys know where you can get it. But it's going on pre-sale pretty soon on our site. But just know that every time you buy one of those books, it's going to change. It's going to change a life, and that's really what. Uh, that it's all about is just helping those helping those that can't help each other and um help help the living right mm, that's important honor everybody that we've served with but this is our way of helping now so you got macy's question yes yes do you mind if i take you live no let's do it okay so macy asked um i'll sit up properly here <laughs> instead of like a no 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 small, you're being authentic you're being real orangutan here <laughs> Um, so Macy's question was what she, she, uh, she asked, what can you do? What did you do when you started the business? Um, what, what was the hardest thing about starting that in Brass and Unity? Honestly, I think the hardest thing for me and I think for anybody who starts a business is starting. Mm -hmm. It, It sounds, it sounds cliche. It's, it's, it's about taking the time and, and actually doing the damn thing, putting that foot forward and going, I'm going to invest in myself. I'm going to invest in my time and I'm going to put my right foot forward. And also, you know, talking to those in that community that you actually want to be a part of and whether it's fashion, whether it's jewelry, you know, whatever it is that you're interested in, it's about finding people in that community and, and just picking their brain, asking them questions. You will only learn if you ask. If you don't ask, you'll never get the answer. So I would just say, honestly, first and foremost, be willing to fail. You have to be accepting of that. If you don't try, you'll never know. Yeah. So you just got to try, put your right foot forward, and just keep moving. What gave you the motivation to start that? To to be to to push into that? Um, when it was knowing that this felt good, it felt right. It felt like I, for once, wasn't sitting there staring at the wall, you know, wishing I was back in Afghanistan. This was the moment for me when I knew that becoming a business owner wasn't necessarily what I thought my path would be, but we don't all know what our path is supposed to be. We just know that we can do the best with what we have. So it felt right to me. It felt good. I felt like I was doing the right thing. And it also, I also knew I was doing it for the right reasons. So I knew as long as I gave it my all, there's no way I could fail. Right. But where do you, you know, when you're working at that, when mm-hmm. you're, when you're, you know, pushing into that, mm-hmm. what keeps you going in those moments where you're down? Oh man, and there's been a lot of down moments. Uh, it's it's about having that support system, okay? So number one, I'm very fortunate to have a husband that's been by my side, like solid, 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 never wavered. And I also have a team of doctors that keep me level, right? And it's about not being afraid to take medication. It's not being about being afraid to ask for help. It's about being willing to ask for help and knowing that doesn't make you weak, doesn't make you, you know, wrong or anything. It's about knowing that if you ask for the help, that could be the thing for you. And in terms of business, that when I'm down and having those moments, it's about knowing that why I'm doing what I'm doing, I'm doing it for the right reasons. And I know that there are people out there worse off than me that need my help. And if this is the only way I can help, then this is the way I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. 
and for you, jewelry's giving you a sense of that. Being able to make that has constructed, you know, you're yeah. constructing a piece that's tangible that you're able to touch and hold. Absolutely. And turn over to people. They're able mm-hmm. to buy that themselves, mm-hmm. hold that in their hands, mm-hmm. and own a tangible piece of that recovery. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it's about it's about getting the public to understand what we go through using that jewelry. Let it be the conduit for that discussion, that conversation, that mental health, you know, discussion that you might never have had when you see somebody wearing it like Ellen who is wearing a recycled casing from the military you would never have thought you would have seen that but it starts conversation and that's the number one thing we can do is start the conversation yeah yeah that's important and a lot of those people don't have that education the first no. you know i mean you know you see the you know when you see kevin hart wearing your jewelry when you see ellen wearing your jewelry jesse tyler ferguson mm-hmm. um channing tatum people <laughs> like that they may not necessarily have an understanding at first of what you know you guys have gone through but oh through my god that, you're able to <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure you got some stories if, there. It, if that was that <laughs> easy if it was that easy to just walk up to somebody and put it on them my god i tell you but i'm telling you right now i cry cried so many days sitting on the kitchen table cutting my hands open with a pipe cutter and a drill not knowing what the hell I was doing like I ruined so many things and you know I just I hurt myself so many times but it was about the journey and it was about accepting that I'm not going to know everything and that there's so much more to learn mm. it's about so much more to learn you got to be willing to want to learn right the process the process is it all right yeah. it's everything yeah being in that moment um and we had another question uh, from a from Dr. Sarah Menace. She was asking, what would you tell people um, about being a female serving in a combative? <laughs> what what what's your argument for keeping females in that role? I she think we need that. them. I yeah. honestly, I it's it's been proven that we're needed. Um, as much as here's the thing, I have two trains of thought on this. If you can do the job and you can do the job well, you should be welcome in that community. If you can't, accept that you can't. That is not made for you. doesn't make you weak. doesn't make you wrong. It just means that you tried. And half the battle is trying. And you never know until you try. So you, there's no fault, right? You can try. If it's not for you, it's not for you. But I do think that there is an argument for keeping women on the front lines. I think that there should have always had women on the front lines. I think that could have prevented some things. Right. I really, truly think that it could have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but you can't go back in time. So all we can say is it was beneficial for the units I worked with. I think that they'll all agree. I think that it gives a different perspective and a view on working as a unit itself. The dynamic can be hard. I won't lie. It can be very difficult to have a bunch of men around you that might not want you there. But it's about knowing that what you're doing is right and having conviction in that. And holding true to that. And I believed that what at that time I was helping those women and children because if it wasn't me, it would have been another Afghan man gone in there, groping them up and down, checking them. Like, you know what I mean? Like I had situations where women came at me with scissors and guns and things like that. But in my mind, I thought at the time that I, what I was doing was right. And I was giving them a safety aspect and a safety net that they would never have had if I wasn't there. Mm. And so I think it's just different. I, I don't think it's wrong or right. I just think if you can do the job and you can do it well, you should be welcome there. Yeah. That's all. Hmm, yeah. Makes sense. A little bit different. Yeah. No, I love it. <laughs> so, so where, you know, where, where do you go from here with the company? What are your goals with the company? You know, you plugged the book a little bit. And- yeah. Well, the, the company really is taking on its life of its own. We're, we're first and foremost an accessory company, straight up. We're a jewelry and sunglass company, and we're just about unifying the public with that. So, really, 
BRASS for me stands for Bravery Retired Assistant Soldier Support and unifying the public with that. So I'm trying to get the public, much like you are, Tim, trying to get the public to understand what our veterans and our service members go through on a day-to-day basis, but also what they go through when they're out mm-hmm. and giving them that source of hope. Reintegration is oh, so important. It's number one and it's never, it's never been number one mm-hmm. and it needs to start being number one. And so it's about awakening the public's eyes to what's really going on. And if we have to do that through something that'll catch their eye that's beautiful and shiny and then hit them (laughs) with the real facts, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that all day. Yeah. So that's what it is. Our company is going to continue to grow. It's going to continue to be a part of the fashion industry and the military world. And and really, we are just trying to help. And this is just the vehicle to get that money to where it needs to be. And the cool thing is the proof of process. You're not just yeah. saying this. I mean, you've got Ellen, yeah. you've got Channing Tatum, you've yeah, got people we've, like that wearing your stuff. Yeah, and it's and, and we don't pay anybody to wear our stuff. You don't like it, don't wear it, don't care. Because here's the thing. It's not going to be for everybody. And I'm okay with that. But the people that it is for are the people that really want to make the difference. And it's not about the designs. It's not about, you know, wearing something that has like, you know, every celebrity is wearing. But it is about the community that we are trying to create and that openness and honestness that it's okay to ask for help and recreate that because we have come from a generation where you don't talk about these things Mm. and it's not healthy. Yeah, it's not. Uh, So we had a question come up from uh, Victor the Creeper. (laughs) Sweet Victor, love your name. (laughs) I feel like the Creeper is like... He he named the reason for it the other day, and it was pretty hilarious. All right, I'll take it. Um, Yes, it's not for bad reasons. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Are you sure about that? Um, So he said, is it easier or harder or the same for Canadians to reintegrate, to integrate back into civilian society? It's just as hard. It's just as hard. We go through the same as the States. We just don't, it's just not publicized very much. Mm. I mean, Do you feel like you have the support from your government? No. No. (laughs) I just yelled into the mic because that's like. you just clipped the audio. I'm so sorry but no, no. Okay. oh my god sorry <laughs> i'm so sorry no I'm making fun of her accent right yeah. i know it's it's brutal no seriously we don't um here's the thing you'll get it if you have the right team in place but it's very rare it's like the states if you got the right team the right support system in place you'll have it but i truly don't agree that we have a great program when we come home no not at all not mm-hmm. in any way or we wouldn't have the suicide we have suicides yeah. i have a hand i have i've lost more friends in canada to suicide than i've lost overseas mm. Wow. We just don't, they're either not classified as suicides or they're just not talked about as suicides. Mm, yeah. That's a problem. Yeah, it's a problem. It's a problem all around. So it's not just you, you guys. You don't acknowledge the issue. How do you fix it? Well, exactly. It's not just you guys that are going through the problem. It's right. us too. Yeah. yeah. I, well, you know what's funny is uh, when I was first presented with the issue was from the British side. Yeah, well, because yeah, I saw a lot of uh, documentaries. It was that documentary Jack Jack the Soldier story, um, where Ben Anderson was covering, and he was showing and presenting the British problem with how many Br- how many Brits they were losing back state or oh, they're uh, back losing, in the UK. They're losing a disgusting amount right now, and it's a lot because the, the war has been almost presented in a way that Vietnam was to us. Oh no, of course it was. The people over there treat uh, many of them. I won't say all because I know that we have some British listeners. Blanket statement. Blanket yeah. statement. <laughs> Covering my bases. Ah, <laughs> almost stress. Got, <laughs> almost <laughs> lost all the Brits. Oh, not uh, the Brits. <laughs> the British are coming. Oh, the British are coming. The British are coming. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, so that's the thing is like, but a lot um, have not supported the soldiers and Marines very well over there. Here's and the that's thing. a problem. It's not about supporting the war. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. about supporting no, but I'm your country. About supporting the but that's what I but that's yeah. what I'm saying. It's not yeah. about so you cannot you can hate what we're doing. 
till yeah. you're blue in the face. It's about supporting the people that are willing to put up and sh- instead of, you know, just yeah. sit there on the sidelines. Right. So that is like a right, a human right to be looked after when you've gone through something like that. That I truly believe that's a humanities thing. That is not a whether you like what we do or not. Mm-hmm. That is just from a human's perspective. You should have empathy towards your 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 fellow person. Absolutely. Yeah. No. So. How do you keep that empathy? Or how do you maintain it? Or how do you grow it? Where does it come from? Reach out. Mm-hmm. Ask questions. Hear stories. Like, get the real perspective. Listen to podcasts like yours, Tim, where people are telling the truth and the honest of the honesty of what's really going on over there. Yeah. And what we really, really see and what mm-hmm. we really actually do. It's not hearts and minds. No. There's no hearts and minds. <laughs> well, there's hearts and minds, but they're not those kinds of hearts and minds. <laughs> I think I've heard some sayings about that. Yeah, I, f- I feel like there's a few we could kick <laughs> off. Two to the chest and one to the head. I've heard that one. Hearts um, and minds. <laughs> um, you know, but it is important, that educational yeah. process. It's is, the biggest part know, of it. And right. I think that's why it's so important for podcasts like yours. And I think it's so important for companies that are in our community to because if we stayed within our community, we'll never fix problems. So the more we reach out to the general public, the more that they'll kind of go, oh, whoa. Mm. that's how many people are killing this whoa why did i not hear about this it's because it's not an interesting enough story for the news yes that's yeah. true yeah sir anything else that you want to plug plug i just bring it hey listen hey i hear brutal you. honesty no, here. What's up. that's how we run no things. um really just this the the my company brass and unity every time you buy one of our pieces sunglass whatever it is ring doesn't matter activewear bracelet we're here to support our fellow vets our first responders as well this isn't just <laughs> I'm going to put it in the shot. Yeah, you are. She gave me a beautiful piece. Yeah, I did. I appreciate it. Um, it's it's not about that. It's not about um, you know, buying something because we tell you to buy something. It's about buying something because you know that what that money is doing is actually making real change in people's lives. One in three are homeless veterans, okay? Hmm. You got 22 suicides a day. And that's just the median number. That's not the actual number because we can't have the actual number because not everybody reports them as a suicide. Right. Okay? Um, really, my goal in life is to help better our veteran and first responders after they come home. That's it. And um, really the only other thing is like this book is also going to be a teaching tool for those that just need, they need a push, you Mm. know, and uh, we're going to donate from that book as well. Um, All the foundations that I've worked with that have been really fantastic to help us to get where we are together. We stand Honor house, a heart of a veteran. Um, Even the people who aren't in the military community that have reached out to us and have been huge supporters, you know, VPD, RCMP, they've been really great. Just know that um, I'll leave you with this. Just if you are, you're going through something, you can't hold it in. You can't go through it by yourself either. You may think you're strong enough, but there's going to be that weak point. So know that there's plenty of people to reach out to and make sure that you do that because we can't lose another person to suicide. And I, I can't hear another one die. I can't. That's why I do what I do. I'm just done. We don't deserve this. Nobody deserves to die by suicide. Nobody deserves to feel like that's the option. Yeah. So just reach out, man. That's all we can do. Well, and I, you know, to kind of close is like, I think you've said some very powerful things, but I think the most powerful thing is the fact that you've started this company um, that has a real, that has a real goal of not just being a tangible item that you can hand over and, you know, put, put, you know, put in someone's hands. And, you know, now you've put this, give me this beautiful bracelet. And I appreciate that. No worries. But I appreciate the mission of the work even more so. 20% that, of that, man, yeah. is going to go to a different organization. Like, that's what we do. And it's it's not just Canada. We right. donate all over the world. All over the world. We sell all over the world and we donate all over the world. No. And uh, like I said, it's not about publicizing what we're going through and using it as like, a, you know, a gimmick. 
this isn't a gimmick. This is our real life. This is what we all suffer through every single day. And uh, it's about damn time that our general public take notice that our people are suffering and we need to find ways to do that. So that's just all that is. Brass and unity is just that. Just help. (laughs) Just help, my friend. Yeah. Well, and it's powerful hearing it from your voice because you did serve in combat and very active combat. Yeah, I wasn't Um, at a desk. (laughs) (laughs) You were not sitting at a desk. I was not sitting at a desk, but uh, I'm sure, like I said, like read the book, you'll hear. You serve with some real pipe hitters. I tried to. (laughs) I got some solid hitters out there. Feel free Uh, to give many of them a call. I'm uh, sure they'll. Actually, one of them calls me on my in his phone. uh It's called Door Kicker Kelsey. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, I guess that's how I'm known in Britain. (laughs) Yeah. I'll take it. That's a good way to be known. I'll take it. It's yeah. better than being lazy. Rather I'll take than bullet it. catcher, it's something else. <laughs> <laughs> it was a close one. Yeah. Well, we uh, we appreciate you coming no on, Kelsey. It's been a solid two and a half hours. I feel you, bro. Yeah, hey, that's what happens. Yeah. We can get to talk and we talk about things that are important. Yeah. Um, and we appreciate you coming out here. No worries. I got you. Anytime. Yeah. Give us a shout. Well, we're on our way to... Impeccable Mexican. Mexican food. I'm so excited right now. You have no idea, dude. <laughs> Listen, we're all right next to Riverwalk. Shout out to Hilton for getting the hotel room. But yeah, we're shout right out next to Hilton. Hilton, thank you. Thank but we're you, right Hilton. next to the uh, Riverwalk. We're going to get some Mexican food. That's and what's up. You got to here in San Antonio. Home of it. Quiet LA. <laughs> Quiet LA. Quiet Los Angeles. You don't know us. <laughs> You're 10 times more than we are. Hey, <laughs> we, got Ch- we got Chipotle in Vancouver. That's about it. <laughs> We just got. You don't have good Mexican food in Canada. What? Why would we? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. We can. We can. We can hit you with some serious Indian, though. Yeah. Well, I bet you have some good French food too. (laughs) She said. said, It's time to shut it down, Tim. Shut it down. (laughs) Shut it down. (laughs) All right, guys. It's been great. Uh, Thanks for you know paying in. It's been great to you know we've had this last few minutes uh, on the live feed, and we're thankful for all of you following in. We've had a few good questions. And uh, we are headed out. Um, we're thankful for all of you listeners out there. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And we'll have some more coming at you here. Brass and Unity um, Veterans Project. We're definitely going to team up on some things. We're we really got excited some projects about that. coming we got some down projects the road. We got some projects. projects. Yeah, we're excited. So uh, we'll be talking to you all later. And we uh, appreciate you listening. And don't forget that our legacies are the mission. We're done. This has been the Veterans Project Podcast with our founder, Tim Kay. Check us out at www.thevetsproject.com, on Instagram at The Veterans Project, Facebook, The Veterans Project, and Twitter at Project underscore Veteran. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, our legacies are the mission. <laughs>